Gabriel? Yes, Daniel. Happy 190 episodes. Oh my God. Just kidding. I think it's like 189. <laughs> All right. That's, I, I'm, I'm still amazed. Yeah, no. Hit the theme music. <laughs> Yeah, 189. 189. Truly a number to celebrate with. If it's not 188, (laughs) I completely, you know, sometimes like I'm, I'm like weirdly like I know exactly what episode it is. And then like every five episodes, I'm like, is it, is it that or that? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Listen, I'm, I'm, it's not my job to keep check of that. Listen, the crown. I'm also going to adjust my mic on air. Hmm. Uh, the crown weighs heavily on the other crown. On Josh O'Connor. On Josh O'Connor. Correct. Is that? <laughs> Josh O'Connor plays uh, Prince Charles in The Crown. And he's also um, uh, Mr. Elton in Emma. Good actor. Okay. I'll take your word. I probably know who that is. There's a bunch of o- O'Connells and O'Donnells. O'Connor. Yeah. Anyway. Welcome, dear listener Hello, readers. Hello, everyone. To Slow Readers. Your weekly fast-paced literature podcast. Brought to you by Top Gallant Radio. Here, the conversation is always on books. It's always on reading. It's always on words on the page. It's always on talking about your favorite books you read this year. It's always on talking about your favorite video games you played while reading your books this year. It's always talking about the latest hot new trend on Twitter that you're replicating on TikTok. It's all about... It's all about... It's all about, you know... Um, uh, throat singing. It's all about didgeridoos. That's us. It's all about Eve. It's all about Steve. It's all about my mother. <sighs> that was that was lazy. That that sure was. Yeah. Uh, and I, I I like this kind of challenge where I think both of us go until one of us just decides we're done. Yeah. Fails or whatever. <laughs> it's a, it's an interesting challenge. Yes, we are expliteriture at its finest, being the bad boys of comedy, literature, podcasting. What does that mean? Why, what does expliterate mean? It means literature of an explicit nature, like Madame Bovary. It's on all of its hidden talk about anal sex. Are we like Fanny Hill? We're exactly like Fanny Hill. Gabe, are we like the clown prince of Gotham? We are. Joker! Our, yeah. our greatest icon. <laughs> yeah, we are the three Jokers. We are the uh-huh. new branded before Watchmen comics of podcasting. Nah. I'm putting this in my head real quick. Um, oh, boy. Th- there are uh, three? Mm-hmm. No, four. I was thinking what? like, I'm, I'm fr- no, five. There's what? been five people playing Joker now because there's oh. uh, Sid Caesar. Caesar Romero. Caesar Romero. Not Sid Caesar, the talk show. Sid Caesar. Uh, uh, Caesar Romero, there's Jack Nicholson, mm-hmm. uh, Heath Ledger, uh-huh. uh, Jared Leto, uh-huh. and then Joaquin Phoenix. Yes. I was forgetting about him. I keep forgetting about that movie. Yeah, me too. And uh, and this it is a was sh- not important to me. And this is a show where we talk about the history of Joker. Joker talk. This uh, what would be what would be the, the name for our show where we talk about Joker? You know, they would have to like the comics had to have used every single possible pun for it by mm-hmm. now. And you know, there's some there's some dudes out there who have an unironic like a uh, unironic Joker podcast where it's like Joker's wild or the Joker's five way revenge. There, uh, some men just want to watch the world podcast. I don't know. What? That's, that some, might be the one. Some, po- some podcasts just want to watch the world burn. I like that's that the, better. That's I the like Joker that better. podcast. Okay. I like that. Are we, are we bailing on slow readers? We're bailing on one? slow readers. We're just talking about Jared Leto's Joker. Yeah, just Jared Leto's Joker. Just that one who showed up in half a movie. <laughs> yes. Ugh. Apparently, there's a whole other one somewhere out there. Yeah, supposedly that was another thing. Uh, Gabe, who and what are you? Hello, everyone. My name is Gabe Mara. I'm a comedian every now and again. I'm a writer and a podcast producer by profession and trade. Oh, my God. Uh, co-host, who are you? 
I'm Daniel Gonzalez. Gonzalez, Gonzalez. Naughty producer, editor, writer, and an author of speculative fiction. Yeah. And this is the part of the show where we talk about books. Yeah. Gabriel. Uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> uh, before we get into our, our, our big discussion, I just want to put a cattle call out there. Okay. To all the listener readers out there who have been listening to us for all 189 episodes. Yeah. Or 88. Or 88. Who knows? Don't really know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and only those people who have listening, who have been listening to us since that episode one. Yeah. All you out there who apparently love this show that much. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know what you could do for us, if you don't mind? Just a little bit of a favor. But what's that? Leave a, a star rating. Yeah. Five stars. Uh-huh. And then just li- leave a little ni- nice message that's, yeah. that says, hey, uh, uh, not enough Joker talk. Yeah. Uh, too much book <laughs> shit. <laughs> yeah. I'm, uh, please go to Owl Podcasts. Uh, it takes two seconds. Mm-hmm. Go to our show page and write us a review. Leave some stars and write something along the lines of not damaged enough. Need more Leto. Yeah. It, it, look at this. I just brought up the, the slow readers uh, uh, on in, on the Instagram. Not what the fuck. On the Instagram? About? On the Apple Podcast app. Your personal Instagram page? And uh, and look at this. Boom. Five stars. I just gave myself five stars. Great job. Because dude. I deserve it. It took like four seconds. It took like four seconds and it doesn't count because i already rated it yes yeah, but that's all right no no new reviews that's okay i'm not gonna i'm not gonna spoil that all right guys or i did spoil it i'm not gonna leave it uh, <laughs> you gotta leave it hanging yeah. mm-hmm. and i'm uh, gonna pop it on the table and yeah let's just a stop. slab of pork salt we'll just stop talking about salt that. pork and that's the end of that bit yeah that's over <laughs> Uh, Gabe, it's over. Uh, do we have a book to talk about this 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 week? If we did, I didn't read it. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't That's read... a kind of rascally dialogue you can appreciate. Five stars. Mm-hmm. Five stars. Five stars. Just five stars. To, uh, uh, the you guys are the rascals. Mm-hmm. Of, you guys are the um, are the ZZ top of of, of book podcasts. You know, if, if either one of us could grow a great beard, you know that would that would be appropriate. It would be appropriate. It would just be like. <laughs> we were doing your name in the podcast slow bearders oh come on no, I, i'm okay <laughs> that's good sure that's money i, I guess so yeah, yeah, yeah it's somewhere so gabe it's, it's like a couple pesos <laughs> it's a couple pesos there. gabe yeah so so we're not going to talk about a book any no. sp- specific book no we did something special this week yes. i kind of wanted to do this at the very end end of the year we can do it again but we could yeah we'll just do it again. we'll just do <laughs> exact same list. list uh gabe yep i reached out to you mm-hmm. i texted you from uh, the other side of the world yeah daniel's in pompeii i am mm-hmm. in um, uh, rio de janeiro mm-hmm. and uh and i just i texted gabe and i was like gabe instead of talking about some dumb book yeah uh, I believe he, I believe we do our own, you know, reading and also evaluating the things that we've read for the show. We try to. And I just wanted to say, like, Gabe, how about this? Let's just spend an episode where we talk about the our personal favorite books that we read mm-hmm. in 2020. Daniel, that gave me an idea. Okay. How about, just to give ourselves a break, for the final episode of the year, mm-hmm. let us strong arm every guest we've had this year into recording their top five favorite books of 2020. Strong. And then and then we play it on the show and <laughs> we make fun of them. Okay. No, I, I like that, especially the making fun of thing. It's yeah. just um yeah, we're just gonna fucking mercilessly rip into uh our our, our friends for innocently just enjoying something in their yeah. own personal experience and way. Much. And like we're just gonna look at it and be like <laughs> Dr. Phil Laporta read uh uh Twilight New Moon again. <laughs> or that uh isn't there like a new one? Or is that Stephanie Mayer who wrote a new? Or is that the same person? That's the same, same person. person. Uh, the other one, the 
the awful porn. Oh. Um, Pete, Pete, Pete James. Yeah, Pete James. That's the one. <laughs> no, what's her fucking name? Oh my god. Uh, the uh, Fifty Shades. Lady? Yeah. Uh, what is it? We've never had to know. I yeah, but everyone knows <laughs> what the, what that author's name is. Like what? E, what? E. L. James. E. L. James. Yes. yes. E. B. Doctor Rowe. <sighs> yes. E. L. James. Uh, one of them. Uh, and not comparing Stephanie Mayer to uh, E. L. James. Uh, as much as like I don't necessarily care for uh, Stephanie James's w- body Stephanie of work Meyer, or whatever, sure. or two, uh, uh-huh. Stephanie Meyer's like body of work, um, like I just don't really have an opinion on them. Sure. Whereas uh, E.L. James is just fucking awful. I don't yeah. Know. Uh, it's not. It's not awful. It's pornography. Whatever. It's mm-hmm. sexual fantasies. Whatever. Like yeah. All all of us all have our own particular interest in porn hubs. Or of course we do. Or the underground one. <laughs> I don't know. If I meant like you know like the the other ones. Sure. That aren't part hub. Yes. All completely legal pornography. Yeah. It's not really underground. They're just like yeah. not porn hub. Yeah. yeah. Like X videos or X hamster. Yes. The creepy ones. Yeah. They're a little creepy or a little seedier. <laughs> That's exactly it. It's like, yeah. Anyway. All, the, all the penis medication ads are just ever so slightly like off. Like one word is in Spanish. Yeah. Like one. Yeah. Like the spelling's just a little, a little worse. <laughs> They're not even they're not even like non English speakers. Grow your just, pens yeah. by ten inch. Yeah, grow your grow your pens. Uh, that's just an American yeah. accent. Yeah, <laughs> um, because they're Americans. They just don't know how to spell. Sure. So anyway, enough about, about uh, porn hub penises uh, and penises and penis growth and. Uh, well, you don't know what books I pick. True, I don't know. Um, Gabe, yeah. So like I said, hey, let's talk about our the favorite books that we've read in 2020. Yeah, we are we are big readers, and we definitely do our best to read as much as we can outside of the show. As as some of our uh, our louder critics like. Felix Taylor, the troll widow, oh, might no. point out that we don't read big books too often anymore. Hey, mostly because I like to, I like to have my own time to read. Hey, you know what? Bullies such as our very close friend Felix Taylor out there. Yeah, our favorite, um, our favorite listener. Uh, uh, you know what? Uh, we don't like reading the long books. You know why? Because we have to read one every week, and yeah. I am literally a slow reader. I have li- I have a life to live. I, I I actually I have you know not to get too far ahead about uh, my my reading thing this year, but mm. you know I do read things fast. I've actually like in some of my favorite books this year, I've read like you're not a slow reader. I've actually read them very very quickly, or not necessarily uh. not necessarily quickly. I just sit down and read it in like one go. Sure, but like yeah, for me that's that's. That's when I get into like really reading when I'm really enjoying something. Yeah. But, but like you know, that's like a rare kind of occurrence. Yeah. And me, I'd almost rather be playing um, a Hades every time I'm listening to a podcast. Yeah, gross. Uh, I'm approaching 100 completed runs. Oh man, all you Hades fans out there, which is actually probably a lot. Yeah, it's um, a great game. Yeah, I haven't. Uh, anyway, but um. Anyway. So yeah. Uh. So let's just shamble over here because I don't. I don't know the best way to segue well, into this because this is again. This is yeah. We, we're, we're having a, we're having a listicle episode, guys. We're having a listicle. I wanted to talk about because I, I I don't know about you. This was kind of my idea that I thrust upon you. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I do a lot of reading outside of this show. That's when I read like the the actual novels. Yes. Um, and that's actually where I do like my very very serious reading, exploring the things that I'm actually really interested yeah, in. Yeah, we're so, a comedy literature podcast, not a literature comedy podcast. Y- yeah, we're we're it's it's comedy with a capital C literature with a lowercase l guys we're we're a fuck around gang we're, everyone knows that we're a fuck around. all right let's stop doing another bit god damn it <laughs> seriously i okay I'm pulling so, off of that <laughs> our top five favorite books that we read this year daniel yeah. um before we get into that how many of them are any of them books you've done for this show none okay well yeah. that's good how many how many uh books have you done for the show that are um, on only list? one okay 
Uh, <clears throat> and so I think what we're going to do is for part one, where we normally talk about our book's description. Mm-hmm. We're going to list two of them. And then we're going to go on our break where we're going to play a game. And then we're going to come back for part three. We are going to talk about our top three not necessarily ranked books that we read this year. Yeah, I, I really dig the idea that like this is us talking about what we're going to do for the schedule like live. Yeah, <laughs> like, pretty much. This is, yeah, we're they kind know, of... It's called doing a table of contents. It's signposting. I know we're, we're doing the table of contents. We don't usually have to do this because usually we, we, just, we just fucking dive in. We have the same, uh, uh, what do you call it? Schedule, not schedule, a uh, structure body, episode. Body, heart? Yeah, the same body and soul. heart. Soul. The same soul. Speaking of which, Gabriel. Mm-hmm. So I got my top five list. And I kind of, I more or less kind of cheated Starring on two Chris of them. Rock. But I, oh, I, I cheated on one too. Okay, cool. <laughs> Mitra said I know how we cheated. Um, but It's my penis. So yeah. And also I, I only selected full, like full length, like books that came in like a singular kind of Oh, I package. cheated twice then. Okay, cool. Because I was because I didn't I didn't list any short stories for example even okay. though we did I did I, I hadn't even thought about it until now to be honest with you we we did read plenty of like great short stories we did absolutely we did um and I'm I'm curious even what that list from you would be and that's going to be the next episode sure. it's top five yeah we'll, we'll do short our stories. top five favorite short stories and then we'll get any of our friends who are another podcast to do their top three favorite books of the year yeah. let's not make them do five so I did so I did more or less five okay I have four slot five slots mm-hmm. <laughs> you know we're slow but aggressive readers yes like slow. the protoss exactly really I don't even know you played Starcraft I don't okay I'm that's just a reference I know I, I've never played us to protoss because as far as I know that was accurate yeah um that's it you're a zerg guy so let's 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 do a little thing I like to call rock paper scissors okay so gabriel Mm -hmm. are you set whoever wins gets to go first or perhaps chooses who goes first okay i like to no chooses who go first that's why it's not necessarily a good thing to win okay okay makes sense right yeah sure yeah there you go i mean you can just go first no rock paper scissors. okay fine all right okay rock Rock, paper scissors scissors, shoot rock Rock, paper scissors scissors, shoot. shoot Hey, hey, Daniel that, won. That was, for the listeners, like, I'm yeah. sure that was entirely <laughs> physical. Um, yeah. So, yeah, no, I, we did scissors together at the same time. Then I did scissors and Gabe did paper. Yeah. So, Gabe. Riveting audio. Riveting audio. This is good tape, as Ira Glass would say. Yeah. So, are you going first or am I going first? Uh, I'll go first. Okay. I won. That means I have to go first. Sure. Okay. So, yes. so, uh, so, Gabe. And, uh-huh. and I gave also, like, a slight, like... Uh, like a very small bio on like these authors because we've never really covered a lot. Of, I think most I did of the them. same. Okay, and also perhaps some of them I got carried and carried away quotes from those books. Okay, so this first one is a bit of a it's a bit of an off mic kind of scenario. It's a bit of an off mic thing, Gabe. This first one is also uh, one of my cheats, right? Because okay. I have never read this author before this year. So and I read two books from her. Two this year. Her Gabe. This uh, this author I'm talking about is Maria Devana Headley, hmm. um, who ha- had a novel come out this year, okay. uh, which I've read. Actually, I listened to the audiobook for uh, Beowulf: A New Translation. Right, right, right. Which is really going to be the story that I'm talking about. But I've also, after I listened to that audiobook, which is really excellent, I picked up the uh, the copy of her other book, The Mere Wife. Hmm. Uh, and also, this is I uh, thought that's a the werewife. The werewife, yeah, you know. It. Also, I want to point out this is a this is an advanced copy. So, for example, if you open it up, do, 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 even though it has like like there are kind of like low graphic versions of everything, sure. but there's still like things that aren't fully completed. Like what, the, what does that the, say? the epigraphs are TK. That's funny. Uh, so yeah, it, it's so that's funny. That technically there are still corrections that need to be made. So I got another. Sure, bro. But uh, long story short, let me talk about Maria Devana Headley. Gabe, are you familiar with her at all? No, other than what you've told me. Okay. 
Because I um so yeah, real quick, my sentence kind of summary about her uh, is that she was born in Oregon, grew up in Idaho, uh, went to NYU, hey. uh, and studied dramatic writing uh, at the Tisch School of the Arts. It's pronounced Tisch. Tisch. Mm-hmm. What did I say? Tisch. I say Tisch. I meant to say Tisch. I actually know it's pronounced that. I just said <laughs> weird. Um, but yeah, so uh, I know that I think she was getting some kind of like buzz. Just a few months. I feel like several months ago when Beowulf came out. Mm. Uh, and long story short, uh, it's a good thing to talk about both of these together because she is she's very into like language. She's like studies other lang- uh, languages or whatever. Um, a lot of her other books have been like young adult fantasy. Oh, cool. But both Beowulf, A New Translation and The Mirror Wife are very similar in the sense where they are specifically about Beowulf, the original poem, cool. the ancient poem. Uh, told from kind of her perspective a feminist perspective some people have said even though that that makes it feel like it's going to be something else it's more just like it's more of like a way to kind of say it's going to be different from how it's usually yeah, kind of with presented less of an antiquated bias less of an antiquated bias there's this uh there's this um, tumblr post going around about someone complaining that a woman did a new translation for the iliad and okay. some some white fucking neck beard is like what like so things changed that much from back then during the greeks and an intelligent person responded well yeah if you look at the actual text um the description of like the wives of behind were like and then the whores were thrown to the ground and in the new translation it's like the women there was no need to call them whores yeah they're uh specifically like especially with the beowulf thing is that she says that uh you know obviously beowulf itself there's no actual author it is literally a story that's being told by drunk people in taverns to even drunker people sure so just imagine like a thousand years ago people shouting the story about a guy coming from uh, across the seas to slay like monsters and save a kingdom um, and specifically for her is that she, well, first off, as a kid, she was, she fell in love with, she's on illustration for Beowulf's mother. Mm. Um, and she's like, oh, who's this badass? I want to talk about it. And then she was like, oh, it's not about her. Also, she's just like a character or whatever. Yeah. Um, I forgot that Beowulf had a mother. Yeah. That, that, that there's the, out of three monsters, it's, uh, it's Grendel. I'm sorry, Grendel. Yeah. I'm like, what do you mean? Like Beowulf's mother? Sorry. I was yeah, yeah. talking about like Grendel's mother. My bad. Grendel's mother. Yeah. Um, so like, for example, like there's the three monsters and there's Grendel, Grendel's mother, and then the dragon at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, yeah, she, so like the mirror wife is like a, like a, an adult fantasy story. Uh, about basically like it is a retelling of Beowulf in the sense but like in this time it focuses on Grendel's mother being the main character all characters are kind of shades of like good and evil cool um uh, it's set up in modern times and uh, Grendel's mother is also a veteran of war cool so yeah it's very very interesting I really dig the language um and it's fucking cool in the sense where like like characters like the the mountain and the landscape will be like a kind of chorus a character will have like a chapter told from its perspective and then like in like the whereas Grendel's mother lives in like the wilds there's also like the suburban area which hmm. is where like um well yeah that character there's no little thing but there's like she this, sounds like rambo yeah like first blood rambo and it's basically like her like kind of like living in the wilderness with all these like suburban kind of like areas or whatever and in the suburbans there are characters kind of described as kind of being like the mothers or the wives of like this of the town and then all of a sudden they get this like creepy collective like perspective of talking about like we we do this we think that and everything it's it's really fucking fast cool but uh i'm going a bit long uh-huh i uh, went much longer than i thought it was why doesn't this beowulf shield is in hades what the 
Okay. <laughs> so my app just crashed. Oh. Uh, so you know what? I'm just going to talk about this in brief because I've been going along. Uh, the best yeah. way to describe the language of Beowulf in your translation, okay. which again is the Beowulf poem. Sure. But it's like retranslated and uh, Hadley's kind of perspective of how she wants to do this, right? So like one of the coolest things about it is that she has an obsession about like you about like slamming together like kind of ancient kind of languages with like modern dialect. Mm-hmm. And one of the best things she talks about, for example, is like this what, which is basically what the okay. uh, what the poem begins with that word. And that has been translated throughout the things, um, you know, uh, Tolkien, uh, Seamus Haney have all done their their 20th century translations. And usually it just depends on how you want to do it. It's either uh, listen, behold, low. Okay. All sure. these various things. Headley, using her kind of background and figuring out how she wants this being told, she opens this. That word is translated as bro. Okay, cool. My joke was going to be yo. No, better. Like she bro? Le- she leans into this. She Bruh? <laughs> bruh. Bruh. The only thing that would have been better is brah. But or dude. <laughs> I was going to read like the opening thing where it's like that, but then like mixed it with like, tell me we know how to speak about No, that Kings sounds awesome. Find it. I'll and hear that. Listen to the audiobook especially because that guy oh, okay. did a fantastic job. But like, no, it, it, it's really fucking wild because uh, again, like people have kind of been translating it in this very scholarly kind of style. Mm-hmm. The Tolkien translation feels like a Tolkien story, just but it's Beowulf. The Seamus Haney one is like is very much Seamus Haney, one of the greatest like poets of the 20th century. Sure, it feels like a Seamus Haney poem, but like way drunker, but drunker. Yeah, Irish. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Broad generalizations. Irish. Yeah, there you go. Go on. Uh, Headley is American. She grew up with in like with like coyotes in the wilderness. She actually teased in the introduction about how she was going to do this as if it was like an older guy at the end of the bar ta- telling the story while calling for drinks. Cool. So like yeah, she she it's a really fucking good book. I I, mm-hmm. I, I don't like I'm going a bit long. No, honestly, like if if year one hadn't been such a massive like massive failure, I would love to see a contemporary like with contemporary language take on a bunch of drunken. Like fools being like, and then Beowulf did this. It's like, no, no, no. Beowulf, but uh, 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 he fights Grendel, but then the mom, and it's a bunch of drunks having that conversation. <laughs> Daniel, um, that all sounds super fascinating. Mm-hmm. Like it's been interesting to me since you first mentioned it to me. Yeah. But um, uh, my number five, I ranked mine. Okay. Unlike you. Yeah. I, I, um, I should say, like, I technically have like a one like my favorite properly read this year, but like otherwise, it's just like these are my favorite. Yeah. Okay. My number five. Number um, five. Buckle up. Okay. It's. A Wizard of Earthsea, and we talked about that already. Oh Daniel, you're number four. <laughs> oh, you're just gonna blow, just gonna no. Tell us about uh, for, pe- a, for yeah. people who haven't listened to the Wizard of Earthsea episode, even though I think it was just like two weeks. It was ago. two weeks ago. Feels like a long time ago. It does. Yeah. Um, so just like so we don't remember last week's episode. Kind of tell us in brief, maybe not like breaking down exactly what it is, because obviously we both know what it is. I sure. read it too. Yeah. But like, tell us just briefly like about Wizard of Earthsea and why you like it so much. Sure. So Ursula K. Le Guin is a British author that she wrote um, this first book in her um, fantasy series, um, the Earthsea series. Um, she's mo- uh, majorly an author of sci-fi, but also she started writing this young adult fantasy series, and it's this wonderful. Um, almost folklorish, uh, as Daniel described it. It's not very scene heavy, but it's an interesting. In the, yeah, in the beginning, especially, in the beginning yeah. especially. But it follows this first book in the series, A Wizard of Earthsea, is about a young wizard mm-hmm. named Dooney who becomes known mm-hmm. as a Sparrowhawk uh-huh. or a, a Gel G- 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 Gen Ger Ged Ged. That's it. Ged and becomes a wizard. Mm-hmm. So it's this wonderful. It's everything I like about fantasy. 
It's everything I like about folklore rolled into one. If this feels for me like the logical next step after my love of the Chronicles of Perdane by uh, Lloyd Alexander. Mm-hmm. Um, and this predates that, actually, which is even cooler for me. Yeah. Um, so we talked about it for an entire, like, two hours, two weeks ago. So in short, if you like fantasy, if you like something a little bit more mythical feeling, um, it's outstanding, and I can't wait to read more of it. Yeah. Uh, it's that funny thing where it's like, I feel like if uh, listener readers out there who are into fantasy had been like, yeah, I read that when I was a kid. Like, yeah, well, good for fucking you. It, it's that thing that a lot of people, Gary. that was like their entryway into the genre. And that's also probably why they love the genre so much. But like, yeah, we haven't read it until like we're, I mean, we're, also, we're I old never, men in our I 30s. never heard about it until you pointed it out to me when we, when we were like 28 year olds. <laughs> Yeah, I can't believe that was a that was a thing. I'd never heard of it before. Okay. I, I heard about the sci-fi like TV show, which was supposedly a fucking abomination. That's right, that did come out. I think that was the first time I heard the word Earthsea, and apparently that was so bad. In my mind, it doesn't it look in your in it, from the promotion. I don't even know if I saw a trailer or whatever, but like there was also like a sort of Shannara. Yeah, uh, there was a brief sort series. of Shannara series. Like from my head, it's like the same project. They might as well be. I didn't. I forgot that there was an Earthsea thing because I'm, I don't know. When I try to remember. I remember short, sort of Shannara. If, if I recall correctly, Le Guin was alive when it was made, and she like strenuously objected to the whitewashing of the sci-fi original series because the protagonists of Earthsea are all people of color. Yeah, how long ago was was the the TV show? Honestly, I think it was early two thousands. I think we were in like high school, middle school. Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah, apparently it was ter- it's like, it was it's trash. like it's a little too recent to have that mis- to make that mistake. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Daniel, what is your number four? Yeah, not num- ranked number four, just number four, not ranked at all. But uh, uh, I, I, it's my second cheat. <laughs> um, because I read they all cheats in the same way that like Headley, they're all cheats. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in, in the same way that like this year, I've read two novels by the same author that I've never read before. <laughs> the, like I feel like they're like they're finds that everyone else has read, but not okay. Me. But like, uh, yeah, no, I read this dude, uh, Ian, McQu- Ian McQuarrie, <clears throat> if mm. I can say it right. Uh, and I've read two of his novels. One, well, he only has like three novels overall. Can I say uh, McGuire? McGuire. What did I say? McGuire? Yes. Oh, McGuire. Ian McGuire. <laughs> uh, clearly, like my, my brain is like running with my mouth. And then yes. like, but it's, there's no time you, to really You danced off the girl. G and found a whole new ending. McGuire. Right. Like Jerry. What if a but, C? You know, uh, the, the I've read two of his books. The North Water, which is his very successful 2016 novel. Mm. Also, that's going to be a recurring thing, apparently. Books I've read from 2016. That's interesting. It is interesting. I don't get it. But um, And then also uh, a novel that he put out just in September. September 15th of 2020. Oh, my God. Uh, his new novel, The Abstainer. You shitting me, dude? So here's another thing. Gabe. Yes, Daniel. You know I complain about the Brits a lot, right? I know you do. So this guy... I can I can barely talk about George Eliot with you. Ah, oh, George Eliot. Get she's also British. I thought she was American. No, <laughs> it's been a while. She's I British. I don't remember. Um, Ian McQuarrie is an Englishman. Ugh. I know. Here's the thing, though. He looks le- like cowboy books. He's he, an Englishman. He what's that? He's look like cowboy books. Uh, no, they're not cowboy books at all. This one, uh, this uh, the abstainer, the cover looks that's like, cowboy font. It looks like a cowboy font. No, but if you look at it, it's like oh, that's a guy with like a bowler hat. Well, no, in the westerns and everything. They yeah, do the the bad guy from Red Dead Redemption wore a cowboy, wore a bowler hat. Yeah, which is actually much more common than like the ten gallon yeah, hat back the then. Yeah, goddamn Pinkertons. Uh, but no, no, that's not. In fact, it takes place. Oh, actually, it takes place mostly in uh, in uh, England. Yeah, Manchester. Oh, cool. Um, but and also, uh, oddly enough, takes uh, takes place at the end uh, for a small portion of it in Pennsylvania. Hey. You know, 
But uh, but no, Ian McGuire, real quick. Uh, I don't McGuire. know. You probably McGuire. Uh, <laughs> uh, Gabe. Uh, yeah, I don't know. If you probably don't know too much. I know about nothing McGuire. about this art. Uh, this person. Uh, you mentioned the abstainer when we were talking about a man of no name. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because of alcoholism, that's right. Yes. Uh, he lectured in American literature at the University of Manchester. Tight. And later, uh, creative writing there. So, uh, so that's why I'm like, he doesn't write like a British guy. Oh, that'll like, do he, it. He's like, he's like very like. His his fucking writing is amazing and everything. It's very descriptive, and I love the way it sounds and the feel of it. But like, it doesn't it doesn't feel like you wouldn't read this and be like, this guy's an English guy. Even fucking abstainer and everything like that, you know. But uh, so no, in brief, real quick, I don't want to go too long. The Northwater is a very, very, very brutal, very dark story about guys going on like uh, like a whaling ship, like up in like the Northwater where like everything's frozen, like toward the Arctic and everything. So far, this sounds like something I would make up about a book you like. Yeah, and uh, and and like it, I'm trying to think if there's anything else to really say about that. But <laughs> the, it's being it was very very successful, very acclaimed when it came out, and it actually has a TV show that I thought would have come out already, but I guess it's coming out next uh, next year, starring um, uh, uh, my boy um, Scoot McNary. No, my no my Scott Blake. No, my main guy Scott Blake. Apparently, that's no Scott Blake. Is that the name of the guy from the episode of Mandalorian? I read the review, but what this new one? Yeah. Bill Burr. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Bill Burr. <laughs> no, Your the, boy, Bill uh, Burr. No, the other guy, that character actor. I've always seen it and everything. That guy I know what you're talking about. No. Um, you have a lot of boys. The guy from Mammy Vice. Which one? The main guy. Uh... Uh, Colin Farrell? Yeah, Colin Farrell. Okay. Colin Farrell as Henry like Drax. John Hawks, the main guy from Miami Vice. Who's like a who's like a horrible, horrible, horrible uh person and everything. He's a man with he's a man truly without conscious and like you just see him like kind of like commit like horrible acts. Uh, and I tell you what, violence is one thing that I'm used to. Smells being described very specifically. Cool. That's why the North War in particular is like gross. Besides, oh. besides like even like the main crimes, which are very, very, very brutal, but like like the smells in particular, like the focus of it always just makes you feel like, oh, you're supposed to be like grossed out in these settings. Do you have an example for us? Uh, there's a part where um, the main character, the good guy main character, kind of has to examine all the uh, the genitalia of mm. all the people on the boats. And just like the smells and like the looks of these penises are being described in great detail. And like, I remember the one guy's being described as when he takes down his drawers, like a smell of like potted meat. <laughs> it just things like that. And it goes downhill from there. Anyway. Yeah, uh, but I, I, I was wondering when you have that kind of thing, either you fall into like um, nothing but smells like, or I was wondering if it had a bit more of a different kind of description to it. No. Well, I mean, yeah, probably. I, I, yeah. I, I'm or it could be like, it smelled to... like poo, like poopy poo. <laughs> it smelled like poo. No, he's describing really, really rank things very clearly. That's awesome. So. I, you know, I, I love, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Just for tea? Uh, whatever, a you very love, tactile. You love foul smell. That's what you I mean. love tactile writing. Yeah, yeah. No, you'll. He, he's fucking great with that and everything. Plus, a lot of shit everywhere. You know, as, <laughs> Hell as, yeah. as realistically, you know, is the case. Sold. But uh, the abstainer, which is far less gross in that aspect, mm -hmm. it, it's still it's still violent. He but, abstains but, from it. But it's not as it's not as dark as as the Northwater. But a uh, really great story about uh, an Irishman working for the Manchester police against uh, and uh, well, the Fenians, the uh, like the Irish uh, like rebel forces and whatnot that are fighting. against against the the english at the time and in a similar way to the northwater there is like the there is our main quote-unquote like hero the the irish guy working for the police who's abstaining from alcoholism which, which he ruined his life in ireland because of it and also this uh this guy who is he's he was born in ireland 
or wait, no, he was, he was either born in Ireland or like he moved like quickly to America. He's like a civil war vet, like working for, I think like the Confederates and who's basically called in by the Irishmen to basically like, like really fight against the English in like a hurtful way. Mm. So like, yeah. And, and it's just like the story about them and so yeah. Grody. Uh, and I just wanted to read a clip real quick. Yeah, that's how it works. <laughs> I just want to read a, a, a quote real quick from uh, the Northwater regarding Henry Jax, the, the main, the main villain, right? Uh-huh. <clears throat> it is not a sin, he tells himself. There is no sin left now. There is only the blood and the water and the ice. There is only life and death and the gray green spaces in between. He will not die, he tells himself. Not now, not ever. When he is thirsty, he will drink his own blood. When he is hungry, he will eat his own flesh. He will grow enormous from the feasting. He will expand to fill the empty sky. So, I like that. So yeah, it's uh no, the writing's fucking beautiful. Doesn't sound British. Okay. Right? <laughs> no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Anyway, studied American literature. Okay. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd make that same like comparison to Le Guin of being like, oh, this sounds like British in a good way. Yeah, Le Guin doesn't sound. Uh, yeah, yeah, she doesn't sound British. For yeah, me for me, like for me, the, the the bad example. And again, I I hate this to be my whole thing on this show, mm-hmm. but anything that sounds like Tolkien, I'm out. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> my turn. Yes. <laughs> Daniel, so this is my first cheat uh, okay. of two. Of two. Yes. Okay. So as I'm a, as I have probably mentioned many times, I'm a big fan of manga, of Japanese comics, uh-huh. particularly that um, in, in a kind of diametric opposite to what Daniel likes. I really like shonen manga, which is, you know, your most prototypical anime manga, like young boy protagonist goes on an adventure. Yeah, that that's like uh, that's like Dragon Ball. Your right? Dragon Ball yeah. Zs, your One Pieces, your Naruto's, that whole kind of thing. Here's the, it, Let me ask. I'm sorry, but... Would that be a difference of genre between Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z? Because isn't Dragon Ball Z like slightly more grown up? I mean, ultimately, I think it, it's it's all the same. It can be about grown ass men. Okay. Like for example, Fist of the North Star, one of the most violent manga of all time. That was in Shonen Jump, the most preeminent <laughs> uh, manga magazine. Back when back when adults were cool with back giving when kids, men like, were men. We're giving like all these kids like, hey, want to look at something dark? Want to look at some <laughs> fucked up shit of no character depth? Yeah. It's a really great entire like. Is that your is that your critique on Fist of the North Star? Well, yeah, it's the same thing every fucking chapter. Yeah, I've never seen it, so yeah, he just he walks around, he blows a hole in a guy at the end. That's it. <laughs> he <It's>, Rickyos. <laughs> it's rad. Well, Rickyo made it funny in my in my opinion. Yeah, oh, anyway. yeah, no, totally. Yeah, yeah. So I'm in a kind of departure from that, and only so slightly. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the most successful manga uh, series in Shonen Jump. Um, back in the 90s, back around the time when things changed for to becoming like the One Piece days. I, I don't know if any of this can make sense to people who aren't big manga people. Yeah. But one of the most important ones in this in this magazine filled with um, muscular boys punching each other was a manga called Hikaru no Go, uh-huh. which translates to Hikaru's Go. Hikaru is a boy's name. Uh-huh. It is a 23-volume manga series that started in 1999 and ended in 2003, entirely about a 11-year-old boy who learns to play the board game Go. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it, it, there's this whole supernatural element where he gets a, uh, he gets possessed sort of by the ghost of a Go instructor from the fucking like 13th century, maybe <laughs> even older. But it's an incredibly charming, very engrossing. For those of you who liked um Queen's Gambit, for people who know how to make a story that takes place on a game board, who like like a meta game and an emotional game, it's so engrossing about. A game I don't know how to play. I've never played Go in my life. Yeah, no idea how Go works. I barely understand the rules myself. But the but the but the manga, all twenty three volumes of it, does an amazing job of making you feel for it. Um, the stakes are always they always feel sky high. Mm-hmm. 
And it's just a fucking board game about a little boy with weird colored hair playing Go, who's possessed by a ghost. And sometimes they play Go and Go cafes so they can face off against the ultimate Go masters. Uh For me, like, this is one of the best. You know, I, I really like shonen manga that aren't necessarily about punching. Mm-hmm. So when you can when you can put the stakes and feeling of adventure and hope and perseverance into a story that's about something so mundane as putting little pieces on a board, it's wonderful. Yeah. And I mean the anime's out there if you want to see it, but the Shonen Jump app is like 5 bucks a month. Uh-huh. I have mountains of manga at my disposal, and I can't recommend it enough. I really, really loved reading Hikaru no Go. You can just, like, get as many books as you want that month, or... N- or no, do the, you have, like, a the entire you... library okay. is there for $5 a month. Really? Okay. I'm reading all of One Piece. It is approaching its 1,000th volume. Uh-huh. And you're, on... at, you're at two. <laughs> no, I'm at <laughs> like, chapter, like, 90. Okay. I have, like, a th- almost 1,000 more to go. Mm-hmm. So uh, I recommend it. It's wonderful. And really, Queen's Gambit is so good. And I kind of, I haven't read that, but yeah. this is great. No, I, no, I've been meaning to watch fucking Queen's Gambit. ATJ, yeah, baby. Yeah, no, I love ATJ. I like Chef's stories. It is essentially a sports drama. There's it is, pretty much. Well, it's so. a sports self-destruction drama. Yeah, that sounds the best. <laughs> yeah, and Hikaru no Go is just, I don't know, it's just bliss. Yeah. I spent a couple of weeks just meaning to go work out. Mm-hmm. And instead, I'd sit on my bed and read like a hundred volumes of manga. Yeah. I've been playing Chapters. cyberpunk. Yeah. <laughs> Gabriel, speaking of cyberpunk, uh-huh. we need to go on break real we quick. We do. Yeah, we have like, each of us have three more entries to go. Yes. When we come back, we have a game to play. A garm. And I'm really looking forward to that. Gabriel, mm-hmm. throw us to break. Tight. Welcome back. Hi. Dear listener readers. What up? Two. Slow bearders. America's fast paced. It'll never happen. Bearding podcast. Yeah. I'm Daniel. I'm Gab. And this is the Wild Show. I was doing <clears throat> that beard roller with the needles on my face for a couple weeks and then I broke out really bad. <laughs> <laughs> That's fun. It, it did help though. Yeah. It really did. I just broke out really bad. I'm curious. I would probably break out too. I have very delicate skin. Yeah, same. Uh, so Gabe, what's up, Marmaduke? <laughs> what's that? Oh no, is that the answer to the game? <laughs> yeah, that was what it was. Shit. No, no, I'm sorry. Here, I, yeah, I was no, that to... was your own Wilson clue. Or <laughs> yeah, something that was that. my own Wilson thing. No, uh, uh, here, here it goes. I, I thought uh, I brought up my iPad. Whatever. I'm still waiting for my iPad to fully sync up with my life. It hasn't yet. Anyway, mm-hmm. so Gabriel, yeah, I have a game I want you to play. You do. And it's a little thing mm-hmm. called Gatekeeper. 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 Gabriel. Close your eyes. All right, all right, all right. Are they closed? They're closed. We're face to face. Open them. <gasps> Gabriel, you are trapped in a maze. Oh, fuck. The, the, the walls of this maze are made of gray concrete. You shitting me? And there's some kind of viscous fluid dripping from between them. Oh, I'm gonna lick it. That's all, oh, gross. It, you'd <laughs> lick it and it tastes just like it it, it, it it tastes just like it looks. Just brackish and mm. bitter and bitter beyond belief and just, just it burns a little bit. Boy, I, I've had better negronis in my mom's house. <laughs> okay. I pulled it. I pulled an imaginary collar. <laughs> yeah, he did. Well, you had a collar. Yeah, it's a, it's a hoodie. Well, and as, as usual, in my mind, in this, in, in Gatekeeper, I'm naked. Oh, okay. There you go, Gabriel. You, you are you, the first thing you did was take off all your clothes <laughs> right away for no reason. It's kind of <laughs> it makes co- me more limber. It's cold. There's no breeze, so I think you're okay. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but Gabriel. Yeah. You look. Uh, you look up. 
and above you, looming over you mm. with huge black wings and massive ibex-like horns. Ibex? Ibex. Yeah, you ever see ibex? They're like, they're like goat-looking animals, but like with the really gnarly-looking horns. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. I'll show you a picture of them. Tight. Uh, Gabriel, it's the gatekeeper! Oh, no! The gatekeeper laughs at you because there are ten magical gates. I yell, fuck you, right back at him. He says, fuck you, dude. Oh, um, shit. All right. <laughs> I'll come back to that. <laughs> Best... <laughs> that was his comeback. Fuck you, dude. And Gabriel, basically there are ten gates between right. you and freedom. Okay. There is a magical phrase that the gatekeeper is hiding from you. Okay. That magical phrase will open up all the gates and let you roam free, oh. naked, into the desert where you'll potentially die of but due to the Exposure. environment. Exposure. And, uh, and Gabe? Yeah? Uh, 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 the gatekeeper looks at you and says, what cyberpunk property am I thinking of? Oh, no! Yeah. Gabriel! I love cyberpunk. You start out with 10 points. I do. 10 HP. HPs. HPs. And uh, basically, uh, at every turn, mm-hmm. you could you're you're slowly losing your life force, and yes. you can either you can either spend a life force to move mm-hmm. on to the next gate, yeah, or you can try to guess. And if you guess, all the doors uh, will open up if you get them right, or if you get it wrong, you lose an extra uh, oh, hit point, man. and then move on to the next gate. Are they like hunks of my, like pounds of flesh? Yeah, like literally falling off me. It's like a it's like a, 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 a Hellraiser thing where there's like hooks in you, just like hook pieces of you. Oh, right. I can get behind it. Now that's why I'm naked. Yeah, you're fucking into. Clearly, that. it's a Hellraiser you kind of deal. Go. What happened? There we go. Boy, is your is your? <laughs> oh my god, yeah. Your tech is just like spreading. I brought I brought up uh, my my phone. Your Cyberpunk 2077 <laughs> bugs are spreading to you. Uh-huh, it, it's really traveling. It's just it's like an idea. It's like a, a fucking fucking Edo story. Uh, Ido, Ido, Juna Ido, Juja Ido. Oh, Ito. Ito, I said it right. I think so. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but no, I brought up my app and like the page was completely blank. I was like, what? <laughs> anyway. So Gabriel. Yeah. Now is the part where first off, we start the theme music. Go. And Gabriel. Okay. For your first gate and your first hint. Mm-hmm. I want you to select a gate. One through ten. You know what? Let's break a trend. Let's go with ten. Let's go with ten. You know I love to go with seven, but let's okay. go with ten. Gabriel? Yeah. Number 10. This one may or may not help at all. Okay. I also wanted to point out, when I say cyberpunk cyberpunk property, for example, I should probably be using the word franchise. Okay. If it is a franchise. Sure. It could either be a singular thing. It could either be uh, 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 Susanna Clark's Jonathan Strange or Mr. Norrell. No, there's a franchise for that. But like, whatever. It's either a singular property or a franchise. I don't necessarily say. I imagine it's some kind of medium. That said, mm-hmm. I own a physical copy of this property. Hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. That's kind of helpful. I don't say I have multiple copies mm-hmm. or multiple iterations of the thing. Or I might just have one. I might not have it here. I might yeah. also have it back east. Sure. Um, uh, no, there's almost a lot of cyberpunky kind of stuff that, you know, y- you and I have, have a-, a somewhat overlap in what we like in cyberpunk. Yeah, but I, uh, I think you overall like the genre more. I like the aesthetics a lot, and more. I think definitely more than you, and I think you like Masamu and Shiro. So well, and a lot of other cyberpunk stories. Yeah. Right? Okay. Uh, that that only can help me very vaguely, and uh, you know, I got a bit my 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 my, uh, my my gatekeeping is kind of bruised after last week's shocking <laughs> immediate I mean, loss. I mean, two that was two weeks ago. Last week I lost. Oh yeah. Yeah. 
You no, probably, I mean, no, I, I was impressed and pleased. I'm like, boy. I mean, Christy was just, Christy was white man Ken jumping us, Christy right? Brandon killing say, machine. Yeah. Daniel, let, let us move on. I will take one health point away. Oh, you're down to nine. Points. Nine, this is mine. Gabriel, select a number between one through nine. Let's go to number three. Number three. Okay. Yeah. These, these are all kind of vague. Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering either, so either seven, which is my normal pick, either is one you're going to make ultra vague or good bait. Don't know. I don't know. Select it. Never know. Gabriel number three. Tree. This property has appeared as movies, novels, graphic novels, television shows, video games, and a plethora of other merchandise. That's a lot for a cyberpunk property. For a cyberpunk property. Sir, Although think about it, there's a lot that fall into that kind of thing, you know. That's true. Can you list it again? <clears throat> All right. Um. Uh, sorry, number three. Uh, has appeared. This this property has appeared as movies, novels, graphic novels, television shows, n video games, and a plethora of other merchandise. TV show, I think, is where it's gonna come down to, because that eliminates Shadowrun. Shadowrun had no movies and had no uh, had no TV shows. Mm -hmm. um, Ghost in the Shell is a good winner there because that covers all the bases, and you are a hardcore Ghost in the Shell guy. I am. Very hard Ghost in the Shell guy. Blade Runner, I think, had a brief Adult Swim thing happen. Mm -hmm. So there was a there was a TV element to Blade Runner. Um, Those are two of the biggest cyberpunk stories out there. That's true. Um, do I own physical copies of either of those? I'm sure you do. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I think I, I borrowed your copy of Blade Runner for uh, my birthday party, my 30th birthday party. You mean my five disc uh, uh, blue uh, blue runner Blade Runner uh, <laughs> collection that comes with like five different cuts of the movie? I think that's the one. Oh, that's a lot. Um, it's either between one or two. Are you gonna play it safe and take the next uh, go for the next gate, or are you gonna take a shot in the dark? Because right now, if you're saying it's between one or the other, I don't think it's necessarily. Dana, one last time, can you repeat the list of uh, things? Okay, movies. Movies. Novels. Novels. Graphic novels. Graphic novels. Television shows. Uh, video games, and a plethora of other merchandise. See, um, I don't know if Ghost in the Shell was ever done in a physical novel form. Blade Runner was obviously, uh, what's it called? Uh, the dick story. The big old dick tale. Dick! Dicks! Um... I still have to move on to the next gate. Dude. Oh, you're taking another point. You're down to eight points. Eight points. Gabriel? Yeah. Pick a gate. Uh, between one and ten, just one you didn't pick. Um, let's say five. Five. Okay. This one might help a little better. I could be talking about fists in the story. That's not Simon. Huh? I know it's not. <laughs> you said four? I said five. five. This is North Star is distinctly Mad Max post-apocalyptic. Okay. Well, actually, I don't know. This one here. All right. So number five. Theme. From the page to screen versions, between the page and screen versions. Okay. Both versions share the same protagonist, mm -hmm. but very different characterizations of that protagonist. Mm. From page to screen. I thought you selected that one. I was a little drunk. <laughs> <laughs> Same protagonist, but different kind, but different interpretations. Mm -hmm. 
Daniel, I'm gonna go ahead and and I feel like this is this is either too obvious an answer, but it might just be the one. I have to gamble on Ghost in the Shell. Guess it goes in the shell. Is yes. that your answer to the gatekeeper? It's his. Gabriel, you have won! Yay! It is Ghost in the Shell! There was a physical novel version? There are light novels. Oh, okay. Fair I enough. counted that. Technically, I think I should have, probably should have put like literature or, or like prose. I don't know. Whatever. Sure. <laughs> but like, there, there, are light, there are light novels. Um, Gabriel, good job. Good guessing. All right. Do you mind if I read the other ones you Please did not Please do, Monsignor. All right. Number one, this property is actually considered post cyberpunk by many critics. Post-cyberpunk mm-hmm. features similar world-building and gimmicks, but uh, often avoids showing protagonists as alienated loners at odds with the world okay. and are often uh, integral to the world, uh, with the world as well. They're, they're, like, they're integrated, actually, I think I meant to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, the world in these stories are also less dystopian, but still heavily impacted by technology. Yeah. Which is an interesting thing that I didn't actually think about, where it's like, oh yeah, yeah Ghost in the Shell, there's no... Yeah, yeah, it's different. Um, <laughs> number two, uh, this property has five feature-length films. Oh, wow. All of which have been released in theaters in some way. Mm-hmm. Now, since we're going through this, uh, obviously there's the 1995 classic movie. Of course. There was a sequel by the same filmmaker, Mamoru, uh, Mamoru Oshii. I know Oshii's his last name. I think mm-hmm. I'm getting his first name. First Sounds name right. right. Uh, there, was the, there was the 2017 live adaptation. Live, uh, uh, ad- uh, Whatever. Scarlett Johansson film. The Scarlett Johansson film in 2017. And then there was the there was the Solid State Society movie, okay. which was released in limited theaters, but it was mainly like a kind of like video release. And then there was also, I don't know if you know if you know anything about this. In the last like 10 years, there's been this thing called like Arise. I've heard of it. Yeah. I, I frequent IO9. It has nothing to do. Like, I don't get it. I, I tried watching the beginning of it and I was like, this is so bad. I'm turning it off. But uh-huh. it, but apparently there was a movie of that. I think it's called Ghost in the Shell, the new movie. And oh, boy. I'm sure it's just as good as that first 10 minutes. That's I saw the same subtitle show. as uh, Pokemon films. There you go. Pokemon, the new movie. <laughs> it's it's that level of, of, of pedigree. I gotta That's be honest too bad. It really is. Um. It's like take take the ghost for people who are fans of like the ninety five Ghost in Shell. Take that and then just imagine that just being done with like a low ran anime anime style and yeah. feel and everything. No, like the, that. the five like, film thing would have been like that's obviously Ghost in the Shell. There's nothing else it could be. True. Yeah. I mean, um, <clears throat> I thought that also would have been like too many movies too because you're just like how many? Movies? I don't even know if you know about uh, Ghost in the Shell Two Innocence. No, which, I know about them. Okay. I remember. Uh, number, I worked in a video store. Number four. This property has uh, influenced much, including. The Matrix. Ugh. Uh, James Cameron, James Cameron's Avatar, weirdly. Oh, uh, I guess. You can kind of see it with the whole, like, jacking in thing, I guess. But, like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what else that would be. Yeah. Uh, AI, artificial intelligence. Sure. Uh, video games such as Metal Gear Solid, Deus Ex, Oni, and Cyberpunk 2077. I think all of that, also without mentioning Ghost in the Shell, would have been a really big hint for me. Yeah, like I said, like, the first ones you selected were weirdly kind of, like, the, those are the, the vague ones. Yeah. Um, number six, uh, the original creator worked on various sci-fi fantasy properties before this, before working on this one, uh, but the creator has not done much since completing it. Like mm. he did like two big Ghost in the Shell graphic novels. Then a couple porno books. Then like he's been drawing porno ever since. <laughs> um, his name has been this, uh, on this other thing called uh, uh, like Crimson in the something rather shell or whatever, which is like a weird thing that has his name slapped on it, but just okay. is, like some scummy sexploitation graphic novel done by somebody else entirely. All right, cool. Uh, number seven, The this is what you would have selected. The first appearance of this property appear, uh, was in uh, 1989. 
Mm. That was the very first issue of Ghost in the Shell coming out in Japan. To be honest, that probably would have made me think Ghost in the Shell. Maybe it would have. I would have been like, that can't be. I can't think of any other big cyberpunk property. Yeah. Number eight. Many works within this franchise are pretty awesome, but the many properties coming out in the past ten years have been pretty not good. All right. I'm running out of facts. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, number nine. The final one uh, that you didn't select. Terrorism and the soul are major themes of this particular franchise. All right. Yeah. So, uh, Gabe, uh, you did it. Eight points. That ain't bad. Yeah, no, that's 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 pretty par for me. You did well. It's Ghost in the Shell. Uh, that's it. We need to stop jacking on about. Oh boy. Jacking on and or off jacking about. In. Uh, jacking in and out about. Jacking a, in a, and out burgers. Cyberpunk stuff. Gabriel. Yeah. Oh, I want burgers right now. Yeah. Gabriel, we're gonna throw it to break. Okay. And when we come back, we're gonna talk about the other books we like. Our top three, not necessarily ranked. Yeah. Go to break. Bye. Welcome back. Hi. Dear listener readers. How are you? To Slow Readers. That's us. America's fast-paced literature podcast. It goes on. I am Mike. <laughs> I am Jeff. And this is the... Uh, 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 some podcasts just want to watch the world burn. Yeah. Um, oh, no, no, no more bits. Gabe, mm-hmm. we're going a bit long. So what we need to do right now, <laughs> we need to talk about the books that we like the most. Okay. This year. Gabriel. Absolutely. And again, uh, I guess it's my turn. It's your turn. Yeah. I, I Last time we, we wrapped up with me and Hikaru no Go. Okay. Also, oh, I never said who made the books. I'm sorry. No, who did it? Yeah. By the way, yeah, Yumi Hata is the writer. That's a that's lady. A, that's a woman. Yeah, Yumi <gasps> is a woman's name. <laughs> and the artist is Takeshi Obata. Takeshi Obata is something of a legend now in, okay. uh, in the manga scene because he also also illustrated Death Note and Bakuman. Okay. Just so the il- art in Hikaru no Go is beautiful. Just illustrated them? Like he's not yes, a writer? Yes, the writer is another gentleman named Sugumi Oba. Did Yuri What's Her Nuts do anything like huge or is this her primary thing? This is her primary work. She hasn't had other big things since. She had like a brief uh, second series about um, uh, speed figure skating, but it didn't last. Oh, wow. That's yeah. interesting. Shonen, like the uh, the, yeah. the mangaka life is very difficult. I, I was gonna bring that up. I was gonna say like this is an ongoing thing. So she's like yeah. near death at this point, right? <laughs> she was born like the '60s, but she 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 had a fucking massive massive hit in Shonen Jump. She'll never be poor. Yeah, as long as she doesn't stop working ever. Yeah, I mean that's crazy. You know? Almost killed fucking what's his face who did Battle Angelita. That's yeah. it. Gabriel, my very third, very, very my very good. my brother, <laughs> my third pick. Go on. Uh, get, this is uh, taking something in a very different direction. It is the Norm Macdonald memoir, which I believe mm. came out in 2016. Okay. <laughs> uh, called Based on a True Story, mm-hmm. which is not an actual memoir. In fact, it says right here, Based on a True Story, not a memoir. Is it actually fiction or nonfiction? It is like 95% fiction. <laughs> okay. There are, yeah, th- I wanted to grab a quote from this where, but yeah, uh, Basically, it is the joke, as most things Norm MacDonald, where he can't ever, he doesn't ever want to be, like, straight to, like, the public. Yeah. He wants to always be, like, the character of Norm MacDonald doing something. Naturally. There's a really great quote I want to share with you of him talking with David Letterman, and David Letterman brings up his uh, Norm MacDonald's divorce and his kid. Uh-huh. And even without anything prepared, he just slips into, like, everything's a joke, because Letterman's like, oh, sure. your, your kid, what's your kid's name? And Norm just goes, like... Oh, I want to say Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, Norm Macdonald, we, uh, I can't wait to talk more about comedians when we have Matt Struck on again. Yeah. Uh, that busy bee. Ho- hopefully it's fairly soon. I owe him some uh, monologue jokes. <laughs> uh, um, 
but no, this is like, this is I read this this year. I also listened again, listen to the audiobook, which is read by Norm Macdonald, mm. which makes it that much better because hearing him with like, his voice is is like so essential to his comedy. Yeah, like the way he does it, that like it's so deceptively complicated. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it's so yeah. Uh, not to get too far much into it, it is both like kind of a description of him kind of going through like major points of his life that are heavily fictionalized, but there is some truth. He talks about SNL. Um, one of the interesting things that you would find also find very interesting is that he goes into um, showing up on SNL and then kind of finding himself when he becomes like the weekend update guy. Yeah. Where he like weirdly like grabs like all of like some of the best guys, like the guy who does all the political jokes. Norm Macdonald somehow convinced Lorne Michaels to be like, can this be the guy to work on Weekend Update? That's Jim Downey, right? Yeah. yeah Jim Downey is, a, is an SNL writing legend. Yeah. Like... And that was like Norm, Norm Michaels, like, no, he does all the the political stuff. He's not only going <laughs> to do that. And then in the book, Norm, Norm McDonald is apparently feeding Lauren Michaels uh, heroin to feed his growing addiction. <laughs> That's <laughs> so, really funny. So like he says, what about this? And it's what if I give you double the amount of, of heroin? And Norm Michaels goes, Jim Downey, you're working on Weekend Update. <laughs> Um, but you know, uh, and similarly, I have two quotes I want to read from this. I'm mm-hmm. sorry, do you have a question? Oh, Daniel, here's something I'm not sure of. Okay. Was Norm MacDonald, I mean, he doesn't even address it in this book, was he fired from SNL or did he quit? You know, there, th- he was fired. Okay. He, he was, he was, I, I thought that his departure for Weekend Update was not particularly amicable. He, he was fired and let go. The reasons of which is where it kind of gets mercurial. Mm-hmm. Where like people people have often said, and this might even be the case, where it's like, oh, he was making too many I don't remember the guy's name, but like he was making too many O.J. Simpson jokes where like the one guy who was a major producer on SNL and um, NBC like was like heavily campaigning for like O.J. Simpson is innocent and like they were really good friends, and I think like when they he passed down, like you need to stop making O.J. Simpson jokes. And as you can imagine, yeah. Norm Macdonald just like leaned harder into it. Yeah. Um, but like there's also other things. I think Norm Macdonald. I mean he he hasn't really come across as like bitter. It's usually other people talking about yeah. it. Re- he said also as much as like also like people were kind of getting sick of me because um, apparently like and especially him with like when we can update like he was just doing that. Yeah. And like he, he like they were their own unit. Like mm-hmm. they didn't really work with anybody else. They also like didn't work as hard as anybody else. Yeah. So like his he also said like I think people are also just getting kind of sick of me. So Yeah, no, I could see that. Yeah. Um as I've said on the show before, I um Norm Macdonald is my favorite uh, weekend update um uh, person. Uh-huh. And like and that's coming from me, a diehard Tina Fey person. Yeah. That I just I just prefer like Norm Macdonald's his weekend update was just it makes me laugh in a way that's not even remotely like controlled by me. Yeah, it, it's similar. If you want, if for listener and readers want to go back to our Steve Martin uh, yeah. uh, book episode, where like that kind of like discussion of like of quote unquote anti anti comedy is like very very similar. Where Norm Macdonald says, "What if the jokes like weren't punny, were yeah. stripped down, they weren't clever? You laugh despite yourself." There's so exactly. Funny. Speaking of which, I want to read two quotes from this book that I just okay. read, right. First one. Death is a funny thing. Not funny, ha-ha, like a Woody Allen movie, but funny strange, <laughs> like a Woody Allen marriage. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty great. Yeah. Next one. Uh, and This is actually him being serious, because Norm MacDonald had a, uh, has possibly still, um, a gambling addiction. Yes, he covers that on his WTF episode. Yeah, he covers that very well, and he talks about this in probably like a semi-factual kind of way about like when he lost like hundreds of thousands of dollars in one fucking bad gamble. Yeah. Um, 
and he also blames on why he got fat. Uh, <laughs> but he he actually he goes on about like what people like about uh, gambling because it's like it's an addiction. It's not you're not addiction to like the noise and like the attention and like the buzz of it or even like the idea about like shoving in all this money and like like you know betting everything that you have. And yeah. He says, and this is the quote that people are uh, describes the gambling addiction. As long as the red dice are in the air, the gambler has hope, and hope is a wonderful thing to be addicted to. That's real. Um, this is a weird kind of sidebar. <laughs> I hate gambling. Yeah. I have never gambled in my life. Um, I play. Oh, that's not true. I went to the local casino in our hometown once. Mm-hmm. I played a single poker machine game. I won my first hand and walked away. And I'm like, I don't even know I won. My friend at the time was like, that's a full house. <laughs> I'm like, oh, well, okay, cool. Uh, and I'm like, play. I walked away a lifetime winner. I, I have an addict personality as it is, and gambling terrifies me. But mm-hmm. all the same, gambling media is so fascinating to me. Like, yeah. uh, like <clears throat> there's there's a couple ga- gambling like anime that I'm ex- that, that illustrate the thrill so well. It's something that's so interesting to me. Yeah, I, t- I tell you what, because you mentioned like, que- an, like an intangible and eff- like ephemeral addiction. That's so interesting. Yeah, it, it, like. In terms of like you mentioned a Queen's Gambit before, where like stories mm-hmm. like that are very interesting. We talked about it before, where it's like like uh, there's such like an ego behind like chess and all that, and then like gambling is like the other end of the spectrum, where it's very much like a battle of like the intellects as opposed to necessarily yeah. like a battle of like you know what you have in your hand. So it, that's there, so interesting. There's a really interesting thing there, but yeah. I, I don't. I, I and if Hikaru no go, it is just about like. What's what's in your mind? What do you know? And how do you dramatize a mental battle? Yeah. It's really cool. That's it. Yeah. What is your next one? I think this is number three. My number three, Daniel. Yeah. Um, it is one that I, I, uh, I'm gonna peek behind the curtain here. Okay. I really really like this book. Okay. I bought it last year when I went to San Francisco. I happened to be walking around. I was there for the Cam uh, Center for Asian American Media Festival, mm-hmm. and I had free time, so I walked to a bookstore and I found a copy of this book that I heard about, and I bought it. I loved it. <laughs> never finished it, and so today I was like, "Hmm, I don't want to. I only want to do it. Only one book we've done for the show for the thing, and maybe maybe let's just let's just see if I if I have it in me to finish reading this book today." And I did before recording, and I'm like, yeah, okay, that's in my list. Now. Okay. Because otherwise, yeah. Um, that book is Kitchen by Banana Yoshimoto. Mm-hmm. This book came out in 1988. I'm trying to remember what this is, because I remember you talking about it a lot. But, but yeah, go ahead. Um, in a really roundabout way, I first heard of this book because of a YouTuber's analysis of the video game Undertale. <laughs> so which you do not care about at all. yeah i've at never all. given a no, shit no. about undertale everyone who knows me knows i don't have undertale tattoo <laughs> i don't i'm getting one someday but um kitchen is a really really it's it's written in a very modern um uh, haruhi murakami style of japanese literature in mm-hmm. the 80s that was all the rage this kind of modern um almost american language disaffected urban existentialist kind of writing yeah i was gonna say like murakami is you're essentially saying like a very like kind of like westernized version yeah of, like uh, this this western yeah. like a a, a a yoshimoto herself it's a lady her real name is uh, mahoko uh, yoshimoto mm-hmm. she talks about how um her style the, the modern japanese style was all about taking american kind of style and basing it in japanese roots mm-hmm. so the the, the flavor is there, but the tone is completely different. Mm-hmm. And uh, Kitchen is entirely about a young woman uh, in Tokyo. Her grandmother dies, 
and she's all she has. And this this woman, her name is uh, Mikage. All she, her only comfort in life is kitchens. Mm-hmm. So she gets kind of preoccupied of kitchens, and uh, she befriends and moves in with a friend of her grandmother's, um, a young man, and his father, who is actually um, a transsexual, who is a woman now. Mm-hmm. So it is a she now. And they have this strange little harmony until the until the mother, Eriko, until she is brutally fucking murdered. Okay. But in this kind of in this modern Japanese writing style, if you like if you know your Murakami, you, you know exactly what I mean. The crazy violence is like glossed over with the person being like, Letter to my son. Well, that happened. Hope it didn't. But anyway, uh-huh. now that I'm dead, there's this kind of like existential like coolness to it that i find fascinating and also it's about how this woman finds her only solace in grief through being in a kitchen Mm -hmm. there's a secondary story in it called moonlight uh shadow that's a similar themes altogether the book is about uh written in a murakami kind of style it's about um overcoming grief in through any means possible and finding a strange connection where it shouldn't have happened yeah so it's this beautiful beautiful little story Apparently, there are two adaptations of it that seem fine, but have never been released. Like Japanese adaptations, or uh, you know, one Japanese, one Chinese. Okay. But um, some quick little fun facts about Yoshimoto that mm-hmm. you will enjoy, Daniel. Yeah, she was born in the '60s in Tokyo, where she lives today. My favorite. <laughs> yeah, her major influences are non-horror Stephen King, okay. Isaac Bashevis Singer, and Truman Capote. Right. The book actually won like was like a huge big deal in Japan. It won the Yukio Mishima Award in 1987. Mm-hmm. And um, here's the actual quote that I was pulling from. Yoshimoto says that her two main themes in her writing are, quote, the exhaustion of young Japanese in, contempor- in contemporary Japan and, quote, the way in which terrible experiences shape a person's life in urban existentialism. So it's this okay. really dark, 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 dark story told in this disaffected Japanese style with a sense of kind of existential <clears throat> spirituality. Yeah. And it really like tickled my funny bone. Yeah, you've definitely <laughs> yeah, tickled your funny bone. It tickled my funny bone. No, you mentioned it before. And every time like every time I'm just like, that sounds cool. Then I forget what it's about. <laughs> yeah. Um, in, a, in a fun little bit of sidebar, that is the only book in my top five that I have a physical copy of. Okay. Everything else I read in Kindle. That's a turn. Which is a huge change for me. That's a thanks for bringing that up because I didn't mention this. I brought like props. <laughs> yeah, Dan, every time Daniel's brought up his book, he's he's, he's held it up for me to see. The the only book so far, well, uh, technically two. Like there was the Beowulf New Translation where I only have the audio. I want the physical copy. I want to fucking uh-huh. see what that looks like. Yeah. But uh, and I also listened to the Norm Macdonald book. But I physical, I bought a physical fucking copy. Yeah, I was it. kind of curious about that. I, it, it was I'm, that thing I'm, where like I wanted to, because like again, like it's a. Can you imagine looking at like the Norm Macdonald joke, but in phys, like unwritten down? It's so that's such an interesting idea. You know, I like comedy theory. Yeah, so that's so interesting. That's why I wanted to see because if you look on the page, it doesn't look. It, it's slightly less impressive. Uh huh. But like, yeah. It, no, I can dig. That's that. why I wanted to see. Like, I'll go into it later in, in my number one pick about mm-hmm. why I'm a. How this has been like the year where I embrace my Kindle because of the pandemic. My Kindle. My Kindle. But Daniel, that was my number three. Kitchen 1988 by Banana Yoshimoto. What is your number two? My number uh, two. Or number four. I was going to say number four. That's that's Well, I'm going going backwards. You're going forward. I'm going. Yeah. We're just going different directions. It's fine. Um, it, I I read several novels by this neck by this next. You fucking author. cheater! But no, this one I'm oh, actually okay. gonna highlight one. Okay. Although I think my quote is from a different one. 
Uh, I've read three novels by a little guy by the name of Ron Hansen. Oh, who's that again? Ron Hansen. Um, he's a writer, essayist, and professor. Best known for his what is now a trilogy of literary westerns. Uh, his first novel, Desperados. Oh. The Assassination of Jesse James by the coward oh. Robert Ford. And The Kid. Uh, he was also, by the way, ordained a permanent fucking deacon of the Catholic Church. <laughs> okay. So that's, that's interesting. Can you, Actually, can, you, can you fuck if you're a deacon? Yeah. Honestly, I should know this. I'm know. Catholic. Yeah, you would know this. I don't know this shit. <laughs> I, don't, I, I, I don't think so. I don't, I don't I have no idea. No, I think you can. I don't, I don't know. The deacon in uh, The Wire doesn't look like some guy who doesn't fuck. I guess so. Anyway, but uh, so, yeah, I've read three of his novels. I read the, I finally finished The Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Rapper Ford, which is from 1983. Oh, my God. Um, I've also read his 1996 novel Atticus, which is not a Western. Hmm. But uh, that it's was about a, Finch. Uh, the, it's it's a reference to the name, the idea gotcha. about him being like this, like the ideal, the ideal kind of like, like good man father character if, in my limited vocabulary, if you know what I mean. Sure. But like Atticus Finch is like, he's the ultimate dad. He's yeah. the guy who looks out for you. And the towering be American father, the ideal. Yeah, that's what it's referencing. And the guy's name is actual Atticus. But, okay. um, but I, uh, the, and the other book that I read that I want to talk about is, uh, is 2016's The Kid. And Gabriel, before I talk about this, I want you to describe this cover, all okay. right? Describe this cover for me for The Kid by Ron Hansen. <laughs> So, listeners, this cover looks like every fucking cheesy Western direct-to-DVD movie you've ever seen. It is like a a cowpoke in sepia tones. He's facing the camera. His hat's um, bent over his eyes. He's holding two guns crossed across his chest. Yeah. And really, it, it looks like, I don't know, a bad PlayStation 1 game. It looks, it is like the most kind of forgettable Western cover yes. ever. Which really betrays what it's about like this. And I talked about this before briefly last week when I was drunk. And I just have to say, Christy Brandon so made a fool of herself for being like way too drunk. And yeah. Just like, like what, what a, a fucking goof. How unprofessional. How embarrassing. Yeah, I apologize to her. Like, she's Sorry, like, she's like, it's fine. Just let me know if you're drinking next time. I was like, oh, we're drinking fine. every time. Yeah, not as much. Last time I got way too. No, drunk. we got way too drunk last yeah, time. Really. It hit me. It hit me hard. That was too. a long episode. But like, it really portrays what's in here because again, like, his, uh, uh, Hanson's literary westerns, which I'm in love with, uh, uh -huh. is that basically like they are, they are, they read partly like like actual history books. Like they'll go through like, and then this person went here and did this, and then went here and did this. But it's also mixed with like invented scenes and characters and like motivations and like kind of it's definitely like making an interpretation of the facts uh basically to tell this story about american mythology and specifically okay. and it, it, it's a hard thing to kind of describe but one of my favorite movies of all time has always been the assassination of jesse james which we saw in theaters together yes back in 2008 i think it, it came out in theaters yeah um and yeah so this is this is his next book that uh, in what what is it 30 fucking years in oh. 30 33 years that oh is told in that kind of similar manner God. and uh and yeah no it's it, it like i never was very interested in reading a story about billy the kid uh and yeah sure enough hansen makes him fucking fascinating mm -hmm. and interesting mainly because like he's you can't really pin down exactly who or what he is or what he's thinking but he's just like this 
fucking he's like a Lawrence of Arabia where he's just like whatever yeah, it's yeah no I know thing. nothing about him and if, quick quick random little stupid sidebar Daniel okay. <laughs> every time you say Ron Hansen Ron I Hansen. have the sense memory of a western and I think you mean Ron Glass who plays the preacher from some uh, Firefly and Serenity is that is it really is that what it reminds you of yes okay. I hear Ron Hansen I'm like western is that the guy who plays the preacher from yep, Serenity same guy same guy he wrote these books <laughs> is that dude which yeah. is great good for him but no. He was in, um, what's it called? Uh, Barney Miller. Yeah, I don't really know uh, uh, Serenity all that well. That's or Firefly, okay. whatever. Honestly, by now, you don't have to do it anymore. By now, it's not cool anymore. No, it's not cool. All you, fucking, all you fucking dorks out there trying to get me to watch Dollhouse and read Harry Potter. Who is hell. still trying to get you to watch Dollhouse? Uh, the voices in my head. Okay. Nobody cares fair. about Harry Potter. Anyway. But no, just like, yeah, you read this and it looks like some like throwaway Western and the opening line is, You'll want to know about his mother, she being crucial to the kid's becomings. Like that's a, that's great. Yeah, like it, it, he has a a very particular way of writing. I, I was I was mild on that that line. I'm like, okay, that's that's a great fucking intro. Yeah, let me read. Uh, well, I actually didn't pick out any quotes from this actual book, particularly. Boo! Because I I wanted to find one. There are there there are many good ones, but like uh, I wanted to read this, and this is actually from the the novel, The Assassinations of Jesse James, Killer. which reads a lot like this. Killer. Also, I like how not long this is. Yeah, that's yeah. a thin book. It's a thin it, volume. It's 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 it, there's it's dense, but it's not long. Mm-hmm. But anyway, <clears throat> this is from Jesse James, and there's also talking about Jesse James. Okay. For the man was canny. He was intuitive. He anticipated everything. He continually looked over his shoulders. He looked into the background with mirrors. He locked his sleeping room at night. He could pick out a whisper in the wind. He could register the slightest added value a man put into his words. He could probably read the faltering and perfidy in Bob's face. He once numbered the spades on a playing card that skittered across the street a city block away. He licked his daughter's cut finger, and there wasn't even a scar the next day. He wrestled with his son and the two Fords at once one afternoon and rarely even tilted. It was like grappling with a tree. When Jesse predicted rain, it rained. When he encouraged plants, they grew. When he scorned animals, they retreated. Whomever, whoever, whomever he wanted to stir, he astonished. And that's kind of like this thing where like history meets mythology. And I that's cool. really love it. I had the... <laughs> dumbest thought where okay. i'm like they should make a movie out of that i'm like oh they should have a movie and most of the narration should just be stuff from the book yeah which is what it i've only say. seen that movie once i should yeah. see it again yeah, I, I see it regularly anyway i know you do gabriel mm-hmm. mo- read your n- next one read my next burn uh-huh. okay my next one is um well I- i've already talked about it a bunch on this show actually all right talk about um, it again uh so here's the start of my point about my Kindle days that ah. um, in this dumb fucking year, I... Um, stupid I, fucking year. Stupid fucking year. God damn it. Um, I was still bartending for a large portion of it until things exploded again. And because the bar industry is not what it used to be, people could only be seated outside, which meant that my normally very active job of running up and down a bar and serving drinks turned into me sitting in front of a counter waiting for people to come in, taking their order, and delivering them outside. So you basically, jacking off in the I was just J and O and all their food. <laughs> That's not true. The food is so good. The food is so good. Yeah. Um, check out Everybody everybody Eats. Sorry. Really good stuff. Mm-hmm. But my job went from bartender to um, hot dog stand um, cashier, mm-hmm. and which meant that also because of the pandemic, I had a lot of time to read. And in a dark bar, you can't just sit there and read a 
paper book. So I started crushing through um, Kindle books. And what I found was that I didn't really like reading fiction sitting there because there's just something that I, I didn't have time to get absorbed. Mm -hmm. So I kind of dove headlong into nonfiction, which, you know, I, I love my fair share of nonfiction, but my top three, my top two <laughs> cheat books okay. are all nonfiction books that I read trapped behind the bar and it was so engrossing. My number two is Blood, Sweat, and Pixels by Jason Schreier. Okay. I thought you read that before. I didn't realize it was this No, no, year. it was this year. Okay. I bought it before, but I got it this I read it this year. And it is a uh, Jason Schreier, he was a reporter for Kotaku, the video game website, for many mm -hmm. years until he split off to work for Bloomberg, I think. Right mm -hmm. I'm right now. Writing about fucking real Hard-hitting crimes at the top of the, the exactly you know, being a fucking game. assassin. No, it's still about video games. Okay, but he's also currently the co-host on a podcast called Triple Click, which is part of the Maximum Fun Network, hey. which I work for. But really, wonderful journalism. It's all, basically it starts about breaking down the video game making process in our modern world, and it ultimately is about crunch. It's about the yeah, utter okay. insanity of how hard it is to make a fucking video game. Mm -hmm. That like especially these triple A games. Especially these triple A games. Here's yeah. a quick list of all the games he covers. Okay. Every chapter is him doing a deep dive into this, these companies and the and the games they made. And he, what I really like about his writing, I got another video game journalism book, and the guy inserts himself into every narrative, and I'm like, I don't really care, dude. <laughs> I don't know. Schreier is is an excellent journalist. He's a great writer of a narrative about how. He's he's a he's a media writer. He's a great writer. He tells a story about how something's made, mm -hmm. and he covers the making of Pillars of Eternity, Uncharted Four, Stardew Valley, Diablo Three, Halo Wars, Dragon Age Inquisition, Shovel Knight, Destiny, The Witcher Three, and Star Wars Thirteen Thirteen. And because the book came out in twenty seventeen, mm -hmm. it was mm -hmm. funny to me to like read like this 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 changing landscape about reading about Dragon Age and Schreier writes about it's like. I like he writes about the uh, the Bioware magic, mm -hmm. and he he writes like everyone at Bioware is dying and thinking it can't go on. What's gonna happen to what's next? Yeah. And then now reading about what happened to Anthem, like oh, so I think that's the quality of the journalism here. It's that he's prescient, he's a listener. Yeah. And reading and also about Witcher Three that they managed that read that that's very prescient right now. That mm -hmm. CD Projekt Red, that they put uh, so much effort and so much work. And this came out um, post-Cyberpunk um, announcement. Mm -hmm. So there, there's, a, there's a lot of air of an ominousness happening. But the book also covers the, the triumphs, like Stardew and Shovel Knight, about how people who care about crunch... Yeah. So it's if you if you love video game journalism, if you care about the making of these <clears> things, if you want to have a better knowledge understanding of what goes into this this fucking demolishing life killing industry mm -hmm. to create these things you enjoy, this is the best book I've read on it. Yeah, uh, especially speaking of which, um, with CG, CD Projekt Red, I think for Cyberpunk they were like, "Listen, it'll be done when it's done. We're not going to do crunch." Mm -hmm. And like it was a thing where like they were ha they were holding to that. And I think like I forgot. I don't think it was very long, but like to, like before release, like for like a few weeks or like months, they were like, "We need a crunch." <laughs> like yeah. they had to out of necessity. And also, mm -hmm. um, it's in the news. They actually changed the uh, structure of uh, bonuses because like I think before it was going to There's be the Metacritic bonus. Yeah, it, it was like the thing where it's like if it hits a certain Metacritic thingamabob, like they get they get more money. Mm -hmm. But now they're like, "Listen, you know what? 
we'll hold we hold ourselves responsible for like the buckiness when it when the game was released so like we need to change it so to make sure that people still get rewarded for their hard work yeah i i don't want to get so deep into this because this is a subject i'm so interested by that you know super giant the guys who made hades speaking of hades Uh that um in jason schreier's podcast triple click one of his co-hosts talks about how maybe there should be like a special award every year for the company that gives the most shits about its employees like Supergiant is a company that's like enforced breaks yeah. and they're very, very kind of decent about that. But um, ultimately, the last point I want to make about Jason Schreier's Blood, Sweat and Pixels is his ultimate thesis is we get that crunch is awful, mm-hmm. but because the creation of video games is still so new, this is still such a new industry it's going to be inevitable almost no matter what as long as we have big companies with big deadlines it's just gonna keep on happening there needs to be a complete overhaul or that's it's just the way it's gonna be you can't the Mm. the way you make video games you might because something didn't work you might have to scrap years of work years might have to be thrown out because one thing stops working and that's just the name of the beast you're you're making an interactive experience it's not a movie yeah, well, it, the funny thing is that like it is a it is production which is similar and also very very different, you know, in terms of comparing it to like movies or anything else that have like a production period, mm-hmm. you know. Where um that reminded me of uh I remember when Red Dead Redemption 2 came out a year like a year ago. Uh right? 2018. 2018? Okay. Two years ago. Um, is that there was like this interaction between uh, comedians Scott Ackerman and Paul of Tompkins. Who? Where Paul of Tompkins I was... I say who like Paul of Tompkins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good job. Who? Uh, Paul of Tompkins was mentioning that like, oh, Red Dead Redemption 2 came out and like everyone's kind of like under the radar being like, oh yeah, we were all working ourselves to death when before this came out. And Scott Ackerman's response was like, is that really a thing? Because like, oh yeah, working like like 50 60 hour works uh, work weeks it's like yeah that's also called like getting things done and like and you know i'm sure scott Ackman was working just as hard yeah for that and then paul Tompkins goes like well there's also that and there's also the other thing where it's like the people who are in charge of all that like aren't really doing a good job or great people to work for yeah. so like there's all the corporate culture is tricky yeah which so like because again like imagine like if you're like hey listen we need to work 50 hour work weeks to get this thing completed this massive giant beast that is all basically dependent on everyone working as hard as possible because it's so yeah. we're making a miracle we're literally just absolutely something. but Dude, like I'm, imagine trying to design a moving train while it's moving yeah. and discovering that the train can't move and like you're trying to lay track in front of a moving train and then you realize you're about to fall into a cliff and you have no choice you have to stop and you have to do the thing yeah it, it's bonkers <laughs> i mean like to, uh, all that being said there are stories of victories in the thing where like the pillars of eternity people and the shovel knight people mm-hmm. they crunched but they're they're they are they're small enough places where they have yeah. a dedication to the craft. They're 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 small. We're like literally like like it's the same thing with like I'm sure Hollow Knight. You know, it mm-hmm. was made a game literally made by like two people. They but they were working eighty hour weeks to make that happen. Probably, but like that was their baby. That yeah. that was literally like, there wasn't a corporate like overlord. Yeah, we should move on soon. We've been on this for a while. Okay, fine. I mean, you, you know, I you know, I'd yeah. love to talk about this book for fucking okay. hours. Well, that's that's well, exactly why it's my number two because it's it's. It really opened my eyes to this thing that is my leisure mm-hmm. is is the the work of 
near slave labor. Yeah, and also something that like you know, especially speaking of which, like with with cyberpunk coming out and people, I'm sure, are being very very hyperbolic about like how they're just like, oh, it's so buggy. It's like the worst thing in the world. It's the worst thing since the Holocaust. Um, <laughs> but like, but me and I'm just like, I'm like, yeah, no. But like, you can tell like there's a lot of effort going on here, you yeah. know. And I can't imagine anyway. Like, oh, this shirt is so scratchy. What those slaves are really lazy about picking that cotton. <laughs> God damn it. Hurry up, slaves. Fucking slaves. Anyway, whoops. That was me bumping the mic. Well done. Uh, so the, my next one, and technically what I want to call my favorite read of this year, right? Sure. You're non-rank number one. My number one, and I don't want to get too much into both who this is and the book itself for various reasons. First up, because the book is Susanna Clark's Piranesi. Yay. Uh, so we a pan on the cover. Yeah, we uh, we just talked about her we did. last week, so I don't want to talk. That t- is a slim volume. Yeah, it, it is compared to um, Jonathan Strange and Mister Norrell, which is about as thick as a Bible. Yeah, uh, basically the way to look at it is that uh, Jonathan Strange and Mister Norrell is three hundred thirty-three thousand words. That's like seven Gatsby's. That's close, actually. Hey, um, and Piranesi is just sixty thousand. Okay, so it's like it's a sp- it's the size of a small novel. It's not a massive tome, and uh, also it is the first thing. First off. Susanna Clark uh, most notably wrote Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell, a fantastic novel that came out in 2004. Uh, this is her second novel mm. ever. So it's been 14 years to... That's how old I am. Yeah, exactly. Since you were been born. Yeah. Um, and it's also the first thing that Susanna Clark has published that is outside of the Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell world. Mm-hmm. Um, also, it is the it's one... A new IP, baby. It is the one book that... Uh, is the hardest to talk about without ruining anything. Okay. Um, it, it 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 it's wonderful to kind of return to Susanna Clark's thing and just like kind of feel that it's by her, but also it feels like an ex- like her kind of growing as well. Um, I wanted to bring up something else is that Piranesi came out uh, September fifteenth of twenty twenty. Oh my god! The same day that the Abstainer came out. Oh, that's cool. Which is interesting because this all the was a big day for Daniel. Because I was really, I was like, oh man, this guy I just read a book, I really liked it, and I'm like, hey, this is coming out, and why Piranesi is coming out the same day? I like, actually, I don't know if I even bought this right away, but I Uh Um, Daniel, can you explain what the title means at least, or is that a very big deal? Speaking of which, uh, so the title refers to uh, Giovanni Battista Piranesi. Okay. Uh, this who is the son of a stonemason and was an Italian classical arch, uh was an Italian classical archaeologist, architect, and artist. Mm. Um, and it, there is a reference in here uh, before I even describe exactly what ha- what the book is about. It's a hard thing to talk about. Uh, but Piranesi, the real guy, was most famous for his Rome etchings and of fictitious and atmospheric prisons. Oh, f- fun! The uh, a real Daedalus. The series is called uh, Imaginary Prisons. It is sixteen etchings that were done in the 18th century. Okay. So yeah, and to describe briefly what this book is about is that this this is uh, in the same I talked about this before all Clark stories have like a meta kind of aspect to it mm-hmm. is that we're reading essentially the journals of this unnamed protagonist who seems to be wandering this uh, infinite like he calls it a house but it's like this this row of just like like huge walls and pillars and statues and 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 every and there's also like a sea that's going underneath like the bottom things endlessly like the bottom floors endlessly and some of the floors are collapsing and birds will just like wander in birds and he just goes around just describe just talking about things as if like like oh this is what he's also like kind of like blissfully just kind of like simple in terms of he's like almost living off quote unquote the land in this okay. thing and yeah and then he now and then will meet with uh, this guy who he calls the other 
um, who's like this older guy who is basically exploring the quote unquote house, trying to find like this great and terrible power that he believes will be in there that will that will grant him, you know, his wildest wishes or whatever. Sure. And this yet, sounds kind of Lovecraftian. Yeah, it, it it sounds like that, but it's not. Okay. Uh, stylistically, it's not even close. Stylistically, not even close. No. For one, this is a complete joy to read. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Uh, and all and, and also, yeah. It, oh God, it, yeah, it, and and also the the guy called who's called the other keeps calling the protagonist Piranesi. Okay. Um, that's where the title comes from. Uh, but yeah, and it, it, again, it's a hard thing to talk about, but it's all told in like the, the main character's voice and he makes up names for things. Like instead of going by years, he'll call it like in the, f- the 10th day of the fourth month of the year, the white heron came to the something rather cool. And he'll mention, it's like back then I look at my early notes and they said 2012 and I'm like, that doesn't mean anything to me. Oh, cool. It's modern day. Yeah. It's That's like, neat. it's very modern, which is also very strange for reading something. Yeah. I'm like that, that, that caught me by surprise. I don't know yeah. if you said that. And again, like technically even that is like a bit of like a spoiler because like if you just mention anything about this. Anyway. Oh my God. So I want to read um, a, a, a couple quotes from this. Right? Okay. <clears throat> so this is uh, to get a feel for this. Um, okay. Quote number one. I realized that the search for the knowledge, capital K, by the way, all, that was your phone. <laughs> that was me that time. That was uh, all, all nouns are capitalized. All nouns? Yeah. Uh, I realized that the search for the knowledge has encouraged us to think of the house as if it were as if it were a sort of riddle to be unraveled, a text to be interpreted, and that if we ever uh, ever we discover the knowledge, then it will be as if the value has been wrested from the house, and all that remains will be mere scenery. Hmm. And also, I wanted to bring up a thing that a. Uh, uh, Christy brought up about Susanna Clark is that like she has this great sense of humor mm-hmm. and uh, and a wonderful sense of like like ironic justice for example and like this one is actually the least funny of like the things that I've read from her okay but there's still bits of it such as <clears throat> birds are not difficult to understand their behavior tells me what they are thinking generally it runs along the lines of is this food is this what about this this might be food I am almost certain that this is or occasionally, it is raining. I do not like that. That's pretty great. <laughs> and the final line I just want to say for all people who uh, have read Piranesi will love this kind of this phrasing. Um, Piranesi, the main character who is called Piranesi, not necessarily his name, mm-hmm. but will say, uh, but will now and then give this message to people as if like a, like a fairly well. May your paths be safe. May your floors be unbroken. And may the house fill your eyes with beauty. Yeah. It, sure. Yeah. And uh, I'm up. Uh, readers of this book are like oh fuck he well, said it they, no they're gonna be like oh that oh. book <laughs> i gotta get anyway but gabe your number number one is in the best read read that you've had this year and then my cheat okay and your cheat there's another cheat yeah i only had two cheats one was some okay. um, the 23 volumes of hikaru no go yeah that counts that's fine <laughs> and this one which it, it's a bit of an interesting cheat okay so um I enjoyed Blood, Sweat, and Pixels. I was sitting at my bar top. And then the next thing I wanted to read was something that I've wanted to read for a very long time. Uh, But I decided to start from the beginning of it because, you know, I was alive during the whole controversy. I was a grown-ass man when it started happening. Uh So I decided to start with 1994's The Late Shifts and then read The War for Late Night by Bill Carter. Okay. These are, Bill Carter is a New York Times media reporter, so he was on the front line of every step of the way of um, Johnny Carson's uh, retiring 
and the entire insanity that went down between Jay Leno and David Letterman, mm-hmm. the, the war for succession. Uh-huh. And then he was also on the front line. He wrote this even faster on the front line of uh, when Jay Leno and Conan O'Brien's whole um, thing went down. Mm-hmm. Which so I know nothing about the former. Basically. Me neither. Yeah, you like, know, we, that was before. Our yeah, time, we were yeah. born in eighty-seven. So for when us, did, Carson means very little to us. When did that go down? It all went down in nineteen ninety-two. Okay, I, so, I was but a lad of five. But a little lad, and because um, uh, Carson, uh, we discussed this during the Matt Struck episode. Mm-hmm. Carson began hosting um the Tonight Show in nineteen sixty-two. Mm-hmm. He hosted it for thirty fucking years. Okay, which is a insanely long time. My my reaction is like, eh, not so bad. <laughs> comparatively like, eh, whatever it's it, cool man it, it, it shows exactly how he was like TV uh-huh. he was a long running guy he was like the god of late night that's all there was uh, no yeah, uh, I mentioned this um, when we were talking about uh, Steve Martin's thing because he has Carson stories yes all, all comedians who are around during that 30 years have yeah. like Carson any stories any comedian younger than us has a Carson story yeah Martin Shore has a Carson sorry sto- older than us I'm sorry older than us yeah older than us yeah. <laughs> we're getting there yeah. I don't know <laughs> uh, Norm MacDonald has a Carson story where I don't know how true this is mm-hmm. but he makes a joke that like he met somebody he's like hey I'm the manager for the uh, Carson show, do you want to come on the show and and do and do your comedy? Yeah, and Norma Donald's doing like, the Tonight Show for Johnny Carson on a live show was a, according to Steve Martin, yeah. not an immediate ticket to stardom, but it was more or less the ticket to stardom. It, yeah, it was like that's how you were either going to die without yeah. anyone knowing your name, or yeah. you weren't, or you were anointed a star. <laughs> For but Steve, uh, Norm Macdonald's reaction was like, "Huh, yeah, oh, that's great. I'll let me do this, but I don't know if I, I might be too busy. You see, I'm the king of Spain, <laughs> and it's just like this ongoing thing where he keeps reaching out, saying like, listen, you need to be on there. Elton John's gonna be on the show, and we want you to come on and maybe talk to.' And like Norm Macdonald's reaction is always like, "Yeah, sure. No, that sounds great. I love. I'm actually a huge Elton John fan. You did your research, but let me check with the Queen of Spain. Outstanding. <laughs> eventually, being like, like his eventually his like agent calls him up and is like dude did you turn down carson (laughs) (laughs) but yeah Yeah. that's exactly (laughs) the point of that um people who are our age don't really understand the power of carson and reading that first one uh, people our age don't understand the power of letterman that letterman changed everything for people like the the comedians we love the 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 mr show crowd the alt comedians of like the the largo thing like they were all inspired by Letterman. They were the th- he was the thing. He was the fucking the groundbreaker of this new comedy. You know, um, we just watched that uh, half in the bag episode where they talk about the Belushi by thing Red Letter Media and and Red Letter Media. Uh, Jay, uh, Jay on Red Letter Media described like like oh before like you know like that sixties and seventies era uh, comedians. Um, like everyone was very like straight laced and very like presentable. Yeah, your new hearts. And then you had like the rock stars coming in, like the Belushi's and a mm-hmm. lot of like the SNL people. And like even that, I don't fully understand because that's so beyond our time. But then there was like, uh, you, then there was Letterman and Letterman. I don't actually fully have as much of appreciation. I feel like a lot of other people who are into comedy do because yeah. I never watched Letterman. Me neither. Yeah. Um, interestingly, my brother was a Leno guy, and okay. after reading these books, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, oh, my. Um, I didn't I, get into late night until and um right before. All the shit went down. Mm-hmm. I was living in a studio apartment with my girlfriend in Brooklyn. And because we were broke and we were poor, we had nothing. 
um, I figured out how to plug into television because there was still network television. It still made sense back then. Uh-huh. And all I could do, because she would work at night, I would watch Conan every night. Mm-hmm. And then all the shit went down. Mm-hmm. And then it became a hardcore Conan guy. So I love Conan O'Brien. He only gets yeah. a little bit of a mention in the late shift because... Here's a really funny thing that I really enjoy about these two books. Well, one, mm-hmm. Carter is an amazing writer when it comes to navigating all these names, all these facts, all these human beings, and he makes it's it's like it's like the success it's like um, HBO Succession. Uh-huh. A lot of it is the brutality of business and all the lies and what we owe one another. Mm-hmm. But um, shit, what was I saying? I really like what uh, no, you're saying that what I really liked about these two stories you're talking oh, about. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, so <laughs> in, in this wonderfully, like, I keep on saying the word prescient, but it's perfect here. The late shift ends. Mm-hmm. And if you know anything about, like, late night history and Letterman, again, we know very little. I know only the details. I know he's the hero of, like, Scott Ackerman and, all, and Jimmy Kimmel mm-hmm. and all these people whose comedy are inspired by him. I'm sure, like, Odenkirk and Cross, they all loved Letterman. He was yeah. the guy. So... <clears throat> Late Shift ends with, and now the dust has settled. Letterman is now the host of The Late Show on CBS. And Leno is stuck as, and now he's doing The Tonight Show. Letterman has been crushing him in the ratings. And coming soon, Letterman hosting the Oscars. He's <laughs> won the war. Oh, no. And I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> That's so funny. Uh-huh. Um, For listeners who don't know, Famously, Letterman hosting the Oscars was a titanic failure, a massive humiliation for him. Yeah, the AV Club had a had a couple of articles about like disastrous Oscar uh, events. There's apparently a podcast I never listened to that oh, no. covers them. They mentioned there, but like, yeah, no, they mentioned the Letterman thing, which I'd never heard of to be honest. Yeah, I'd heard about it, but I obviously never saw it. I watched the clip of uh, of him. His whole bit is Oma like, Oprah. Yeah. Oma Oprah. Uma Oprah. Which which is like is perfectly dumb for his show it's a dumb bit it, it is but like yeah <laughs> i think the funny thing is that daniel that like you and i where we, we love alt comedy or our modern alt comedy scene yeah i, I did all of our that, guys yeah. all of our like all of our heroes their hero was letterman yeah which is so interesting to me but um the war for late night which is a book i picked up multiple times in barnes and nobles when everything was like, right after everything went down, I never got to finish it because you can't read this fucking book. It's a thick journalistic tome. Uh-huh. These are really, really big books. I loved them. And so reading it now, I'm like, oh, wow. Reading all these histories of all the hideous shit that went down. It's, it's I don't know. It was, it was incredible for a guy like you and I, we got into succession. Mm-hmm. I love the ugliness of business. And, you know, I love show business. I love late night stories. It was both these books. They were long reads, but I read them across bar shifts and they are so, so good. Okay. You know who um, the only, you know who is somebody who actually does stick up for Leno? Who? Norm MacDonald. Seinfeld also. Yeah. Like a lot of, usually. No, it, Leno the, is not a villain. That's that's the most important thing that Bill Carter establishes. Yeah. The, he is just a guy who is single-mindedly focused on doing this job that was his dream. Yeah. He, he had nothing, he had next to only thing like he was virtually an innocent he just had a couple of times where he could have he could have chosen to do the right thing but instead he was like he chose like the business thing the business thing like i was gonna say the worst version where he decided to pursue his own self-interest but business is business this was his job he wanted it he earned it he deserved it because like after the event like the war for late night begins with like well besides some cold opens like 
Leno after after the events of the of late shift, Leno demolished Letterman always the, in ratings. The, Leno always beat him. The thing that I've always been curious about that is is the way that what ratings means. Where it's like it makes sense. Nielsen's bec- and whatnot. Yeah, like Nielsen ratings, like that's always kind of favored like older demographics. So like I suppose so. I've always so whenever I hear that like like Leno kills in like, you know, ratings or whatever, and it's like yeah, but they also he also has the audience to do that. Yeah. I I imagine that if like you had ten thousand people watching Leno and then ten thousand people watching Letterman, the ratings are going to be higher on the. That, on the that's Leno's a major side. part of the book, okay. especially about with Conan. That Conan tested so much better for a young audience, mm-hmm. but then as times changed, younger audiences weren't watching the Tonight Show anymore. Mm-hmm. That it wasn't a thing for us. That when people when people were younger in the eighties, everyone watched the Tonight Show. Yeah. So that's where the ratings came from. And so all the ratings craziness, uh-huh. why Conan was forced out, the whole 1205 controversy. I mean, it, it, it was just a different set of rulers. Yeah. It, it's a, yeah, again, like I'm, I'm not, I'm not that much of like a late night show, uh, Aficionado. ever really, like unless they played like reruns or whatever. And I think out of them, I watched like Conan the most, mm-hmm. but like, otherwise I never, I never watched Letterman. Uh, the whenever I heard about Letterman, it was it was always because of controversy. Yeah, it was because of uh, this whole thing going on. Mm-hmm. It was that thing where like his affairs were kind of brought to, brought to yeah. brought to light, and and then also and then his uh, retirement. It was always like a major thing. It was mm-hmm. not. I would never. I never watched them really on the whole. But I can also say the same thing about Conan. Yeah, you know. I don't know. Like that. I think Conan is more our guy now, and I think that like yeah. we're we're a little bit older. And I think kids now that if anyone's watching late, I don't know if kids watch late night. I doubt. So. I think that you watch the highlights on YouTube. You watch Corden do um uh, his um carpool karaoke, yeah, and that's just kind of <laughs> it. Who who the fuck watches late night anymore? Besides, well, not even us. Not I watch even I watch Conan on my iPad like the next day. Which is why like Conan. I always feel who's moving to HBO Max, by the way. I always feel bad and not bad because I feel like Conan is struggling so hard to kind of like pivot his whole thing. You know, like he's uh, fine. His he went from <laughs> no, he's fine. But like, I feel like at the same time, you feel that like he has to make a Titanic shift. It's like you know, what? it's not going to be an hour. I'm not going to wear a suit. It's not going to look like a typical thing. And yeah. every time you see that, you just have the sense being like, "Oh, Conan, stop! You're yeah, stepping like, step backwards. Who, who who made you do this? It was it your decision? We don't know. Yeah, you don't have to. But like, he's doing it because it's like, no, we don't have to do the other things. Yeah. I'm moving very slowly. Don't worry, yeah. guys. No, but yeah, I'm I'm I remain a Leno. I, I, a lot of sympathy goes to Leno, but also he was a dogged guy. Um, I still yeah. don't really care too <clears throat> much about Letterman, but I get the journey that Carter's writing is so sharp. I mean, like it's it's like all the president's men sharp. It's okay. so so engrossing. Also, I think like younger Letterman was supposed to be like where it's really. At. He was dangerous back then. You know, yeah. it's like it's like any comedian that when you're younger you push the envelope, and then when you get older you get settled. Yeah, it was that thing where like every, where we can look at things in terms of generations where like, uh, Conan, Conan, honestly, like Conan and Mister Show, like that whole thing. Yeah. They're like grandfathers, so Letterman's kind of like a great grandfather. Yeah, you know that's I mean? exactly it. We're like uh, when I think about like the. Like the, the fathers and mothers right now of comedy are like the ones who are doing it very well right now. Like, for example, Scott Ackman and Paul Tompkins. Yeah. Like that whole crew. They were, they were all babies of uh, Mr. Show. Yeah. Exa- yeah. It, that's why they're their parents. And now fucking Bob Odenkirk is Liam Neeson. <laughs> yeah, that's fun. <laughs> I mean, I'm into I don't know if you if you watched the trailer yet. Kind of. I watched it on Instagram. Yeah. It, it's like, I'm like, what? That's crazy. I mean, I'm in. Sure. I love Bob Odenkirk. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Strange times. That's crazy. It's crazy. 
Anyway, so that's my number one. Also, I should point out that the Norm Macdonald book, only the physical copy, not the mm-hmm. audiobook, but uh, is a, has a forward by your favorite comedian. Who? Louis C.K. Oh, man. <laughs> it's also, I didn't I didn't know it was a thing until I picked up the physical copy. And I was like, what? Awkward. Louis C.K.? Yeah. It, it like, came out like right before everything. Yeah. Oh, boy. Which is maybe why he wasn't in the audiobook, which I'm grateful. It's also not interesting at all i look through <laughs> it and he's just like listen you should listen to this man come on guys that's a dude he's the dude dudes that's a louis ck voice that's right? how we do it i don't know i sound like anyone right. so that's our top five books of the year we read yay top five books of the things that we read Dun, in 2020. Bum, 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 lots of 2020 books for me and 2016 books weirdly <laughs> yeah mine was all over the place yeah all over the place me 2016 and 2020 2016 your Some, favorite year my favorite year you really hated prince gabriel yeah. one little thing we like to do a little thing called hazy memories oh jesus gabriel there's one thing i remember that you remember having talked about this year and also just like reading across 2020 what is that thing that comes to mind what is your hazy memory we remember reading books in 2020 during this crazy year maybe because i just finished it mm-hmm. but banana well also that that's a, it's a much more different it's much more like the books i read normally mm-hmm. the rest of my books on my list are kind of out there that I, I have never been a heavy nonfiction reader i love nonfiction, but this is the year where i really read more nonfiction and fiction outside of this show mm-hmm. but banana is you know i'm a big murakami fan and i love the elements this is the first book i'm going to pick up and reread out of all these things mm-hmm. so i love the elements of the cooking all the obsession of food the little bits of the the ominous doom that's in every page mm-hmm. that eventually feeds out into a into a interesting unsteady love story with an undercurrent of doom okay so i that's what i'm gonna hold on to that this what's is this what's is, her name again uh banana yoshimoto okay and you know i'm a, I, I love a good i love great stories about grief the ones that handle it very delicately and this is a really great story about grief. So I'm going to come back to Banana much sooner than all the rest of this books on this list. Mm-hmm. Daniel, what about you? Um, maybe in, in, in honor of our dear friends at uh-huh. the Whip Around podcast, let's whip around with one whip. <laughs> whip around is one word. Um, please check out their show where Shawnee B. Horny and Dr. Phil Laporta talk about all things weird news, science, and macabre. They're a great time. They're not a Fox News show. They are our sexy kissing cousin show. We love them dearly. Um, they may be coming on this show sooner. They are. Later. Next episode. Ba-ba-bam. We're having Dr. Phil back. And we're going to return to uh, an author that we've co- 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 covered before. before. Uh, uh, a little book by a little, little guy named Dan uh, Dan Nitro the Clark. <laughs> Daniel, what if we what if we what if we changed gears? All we do from now on is belittle and insult Dan Clark <laughs> oh, no. until he comes on our show. Uh, I I do it. I do it. I don't want to do that. We're not anti comedy guys. Gr- we're a couple goofs. Great, no, great, great bit. But however, right now I don't want to do it because he just recently had total knee replacement surgery. That's very tough surgery. So he is not probably doing well right now but if anything like, now's the time he can't come get us <laughs> now's the time he's gonna fucking send he's gonna send us some percocet riddled fucking <laughs> message he's to gonna us. send malibu back from the dead <laughs> like i'm gonna, I'm gonna go over there and i'm gonna crush you brother so please um, check out the whip around podcast we love them they come out every whip around wednesday daniel 15 years from now you're gonna someone's gonna be like this list of books that's written on the statue of you here in the center of cincinnati What's your favorite memory? That's where I'm going to be, Cincinnati. Yeah. Um, no, uh, 
it's been an interesting thing. I was pushing myself to read more. I kept a track of how many books I've, I've read. You did? That's I don't know fun. the number. I just wrote them down. Sure. Um, but no, uh, for me, it was trying to read more, uh, also reading more short fiction, reading more nonfiction. You yeah. were talking about nonfiction books. I weirdly didn't pick any nonfiction books, but I was a huge fan of Hunting LaRoe, which I've read by Elaine Shannon. Hmm. And, uh, and also I am currently reading and super fucking into it, uh, Empire of the Summer Moon. Um, which is about the, uh, the the Comanche and the Comanche War with the United States in the Comanche. 19th century, which is fucking fascinating because I'm 100 pages in and the quote unquote main story hasn't actually begun. We're just going through like the history of like horses. That's and, awesome. Which, yeah, because a little thing like I forgot that like horses are not at all indigenous to America. They were brought over by the conquistadors. And how, like... How did wild horses begin? That's wild. Because, essentially, conquistadors brought horses over and were breeding them and told all the indigenous being like, oh, shit, we can't let the indigenous have horses. They're like, listen, guys, you can take care of our horses. Don't ride them. I I love (laughs) history in 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 the micro. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting letting it start from like, you know, it's, it's that whole thing of here's a story of butter. Now there was microbes. Well, I'm like, we're, we're starting there. Okay, cool. Here's a crazy fucking thing, right? It starts there. Conquistador says, don't write it. You're not allowed to. And they went, sure. And then you like, got it, dude. and then like they went away and it's like, and then like, they're essentially like, well, get fuck out of that, get, that get out of your horses. Um, <laughs> Uh, the indigenous people of America were not very good. They didn't know what to do with horses. There were actually many things because, like, eventually, like, conquistadors happened and, and like, a lot of, like, uh, introduced species, like, they kind of, like, either overpopulated or died right away. Horses were weirdly perfectly suited for America. Interesting. Like, they managed to survive. That's why we have wild horses when, like, usually they would die out if they were just in the wild. Mm. But uh, uh, the uh, Indians weren't basically, like, good at, like, didn't know what to do with horses. Uh, some people were actually literally raising them to eat them. That's it. The Apaches used horses as well, but like, and they were actually riding them around, but they weren't good at horse breeding, which apparently is very fucking difficult. You mm. have to really know horses. That's why you have, what's it called? Studs. That's the whole purpose. Yeah. It, but like, and they didn't, so like they would also, they would ride them, but they would also like, they loved eating horses too. Meanwhile, the Comanche, a, a, a race of mountain people who are getting their asses beat by everything. They were bad at everything more like historically they were. Mm-hmm. They were on the run They're from the like, bad news bears. They were getting like chased out of like their air, their territories into like the Great Plains. Weirdly enough, were amazing with horses. That's like, really cool. They got on horses and all of a sudden they went from being like on the run and like hunt to extinction to literally being one of the most powerful military groups in the world. That's amazing. Like it's it's crazy like the, how that that just happened. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, send me the name of that book so I actually want to check that out. That's really cool. All right, yeah. But that said, uh, that's the end of the show. Next week we're gonna oh we're gonna do F Dying by Dan Nitro the Clark. Yes. Uh, we're gonna, we're gonna have our old buddy Phil, Phil Doctor Phil Laporta. <laughs> My throat hurts so much. Uh, I feel yeah. like I've been shouting this whole time. It's been dry. It's been dry, and I, my water isn't here. <laughs> uh, we're gonna do that. I'm so excited, Gabe. Let's take this moment. We need to end this fucking show. Yeah. We're going for so long, Gabe. Plug. Um, ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't done it already, please check out Self-Evident Asian America Stories. I produced episode three of this cultural heritage documentary podcast. The episode is called The Talk We Were Supposed to Have. It's about my life. It's really heavy. So please check that out. It's a great time. The show is amazing. They really give a shit and they're putting in a lot of amazing work. Season two is going strong. Um, also, please check out uh, AP Film by Film School Professionals, which is the other Top Gallant radio show. Um, mm-hmm, Katie Kometz mm-hmm. and Mal Marones are not film school professors. Uh-uh. 
They did not go to film school. No. But that's not going to fucking stop them. They're creating their own film school curriculum where they're talking about all the films that they love and films they want to see and are talking about why they're valid. Mm-hmm. Um, we're currently having their holiday season intensive. We just covered um, the holiday, why that's good, and Love Actually, why that's shit. So give them a listen. They're called AP Film by Film School Professionals. They're wonderful. Um, listen to One Bad Mother, which is the maximum fun radio show about parenting. It's a comedy parenting show hosted by Teresa Thorne and Biz Ellis. I'm the producer of that show. I'm very proud to be. Go to MaximumFun.org slash join to support the show. It's a great, great time. And lastly, follow me on Instagram at Reed.Richards. Daniel. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Top Gun Radio and Instagram at Slow Readers. <clears throat> uh, you can buy my fiction anywhere. Get your ebooks, uh, specifically in physical format. They are A Cook in the Kingdom and The Shadow <laughs> from the Deep. Um, also, on top of this, you can check out all the various uh, podcasts that I've worked, I've, I've, I've assisted with in these pa- this past year, really. Oh my God. Uh, Guru, Dr. Death Season 2, uh, Goddamn Jacked and uh do no harm all of which are doing very well don't need my thing my my my, <laughs> my, my, my kind of like hey like hey guys check this out because like you fucking read this already yeah obm so, don't need me so yeah but they're doing very well i'm really it's been really interesting hearing uh reading like reviews also skimming them because they're getting like thousands of reviews uh and and i tell you what like do no harm it's been this interesting thing where in the early stages of do no harm people are reviewing it and no offense to we're calling for reviews, but they can be pretty fucking dumb. Yeah. And like people are like one star review. Cause let me tell you, like this is a show about like a white family having trouble with the law. And it's like, do you know how, what troubles it's like for black Americans right now to be dealing with CPS? It's like, it's literally like there's a 50, 50 chance. If you're a black American growing up that there has been like a child protective services case that has been opened on you. It's which is crazy, but that apparently that's 50? true. 50, 50. Holy fucking shit. And then when the show becomes like, oh, here's this other family who went through the same exact scenario as as the as the original Bright family or the white family. Here's this black family, the butlers, who went through the same thing and went through very similar but also very different at the same time in interesting ways. Uh, the reviewers were like, oops. Uh, uh, the reviewers were like, I like this show until it got political. Oh, no. <laughs> so, God so, damn the... F- so, yeah, so again, like, it's... it's uh, Can't please everybody. <laughs> Guess not. <laughs> so, yeah. But that said, uh, it is amazingly successful and people out there seem to be really responding to it. It is very upsetting and interesting and, and, and engaging. Whoop, so whoop. definitely check it out. And that is the end of the show for All right, guys. God see you damn. next week for Fuck Dying by so, Dan Nitro Clark featuring Philip Porta. I'm so hungry. Bye. Top Gallant Radio. Brought to you by Daniel Gonzalez and Gabe Mara.